Bap, bap, bap! Here we are! Woo! Bap to the bap, bap, bap! Alone in my house! <laughs> Still don't have Benton here. If Benton were here, he would also do bap, bap, bap! He does it quicker. He does it more Nashville. I do it very, uh, white trash. Bap, 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 bap! Am I allowed to say white trash? Is that gonna get me canceled? You know what? No one's getting canceled during the pandemic, okay? We got bigger fish to fry right now. All of a sudden, no one cares about words. We put a pin in giving a fuck about words. Um, so this is gonna be an incredible episode. I'm so happy for you guys that you get to listen to the great Dak Shepard on the show. I just thought that I would um do a little uh little ditty up top and explain um, a couple things because <laughs> it does, the interview comes in very abruptly because this is my first uh, remote interview uh, for the Good For You pod. Uh, now that we are in the new normal, stop saying that. I hate when people say that. I think it's probably because the new normal was a TV show that I auditioned for like a while ago and didn't get. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's maybe that's my baggage. Um, but no, it's just like we only like it because it's an alliteration. It's two ends in a row. The new normal, it makes us sound like smart. Like we're such like monkeys. We like are so delighted that we made like, we made a little rhyme rhyme. The new normal. Anyway, I'm digressing. Um, you know that I've been resistant to doing the remote interviews because the sound quality and the video quality can be very sketchy. I feel like when I'm watching these videos on, like that were remotely recorded of two people on their Zooms, it, like, oh, it's so hard to watch. It's like, one is has higher resolution than the other one and I'm looking at people's backgrounds and they're not symmetrical and I just, I'm like, why aren't you guys looking in the same spot? Like someone's looking at themselves, someone's looking in the camera. Like, it's just like, it's, I have a flare up. I have a perfectionism flare up when I'm watching these. And to me, they're so distracting. But the great Dak Shepard knows what he's doing when it comes to all things Best Buy, all the techs, technical things. Um, because I've mostly been doing interviews in person under very controlled neurotic circumstances. I mean, you guys know I had on Melissa Villasenor and Taylor Tomlinson only because I know that they're neurotic and lubing up their bodies every day with Purell. I know their character. And they came in and we were six feet from each other. We had like a measuring tape, stick, whatever. I need to, I, I, this, I'm recording this very early, you guys. I'm sorry, my brain is not quite firing yet. Very obvious words are evading my brain, which has atrophied in quarantine. Um, my brain is just out of shape. <laughs> but to me, if someone wants to record the podcast in person, the first thing I do is ask for a photo of their hands. Like if your skin doesn't look like it's flaking off, you're not coming to my house. Like you should be washing your hands so frequently that your fingertips look like rattlesnake tails. Your fingers better look like curly fries at this point. Okay, if they don't, you're not coming over. I want your palms to resemble an Idaho spud. Like I want little skin tags. I want nasty raw, there should be skin dangling off your hands. Your hands should look like feet at this point. 
Sorry, Crystalia is texting me. Fucking ruining my podcast. Why don't you ruin your own podcast? He just sent me a video. Anyway, um, I wasn't really prepared to record this. I kind of just wanted to give you guys a little like heads up of what to expect. Um, and also say, look, I'm I'm in, I'm trying to do as many in person as I can, but you know, I don't want to set a bad example, and I truly do not want to contribute to the spread of this wild thing. We want this to be over as soon as possible. So if you're going to come over to my house and record the podcast six feet away, I need a selfie of your face first to make sure you've been wearing a mask. If you don't have a line of acne around your cheeks and on your chin from steaming up your face with that mask, you're not, you're not recording the pod, dude. You should have divots in your nose, lacerations in the back of your ears, from the stretchy thing, the little stretchy elastic thing that goes around your ears. Your face should look like you fell on a subway grate. If it doesn't, you're not wearing your mask frequently enough. You should look like you got hit in the face with a grill. And if you haven't done that, you're not recording the pod with me. Lovers, okay? Only then, only when your face looks like it's been hit with a fence can you come record the pod in person? But I also wanted to do the remote thing because, um, you know, a lot of people have kids and I've, I've felt very guilty asking anyone to do the podcast that has kids right now because they're all teachers now. All my friends that have kids have been like furiously trying to relearn all the shit that they <laughs> forgot from grade school. Like, all my friends are texting me. They're like, is it called Columbus Day still? Or is it called Indigenous Peoples Day? I don't even know how. They're like, what's stoichiometry? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Ask Jeeves. Ask the internet. But so I, I posted on Instagram something. I think you guys all voted on it where I said, like, do you guys like watching video podcasts? Do you like watching Zoom podcasts, like remote podcasts? Should I even bother with them? I hate these. And Dax, like a goddamn white knight. He just reached out to me and was like, dude, I'll do it. Let's do it. Let's make this happen. And he is why I wanted to do uh, sort of the first remote podcast. Um, and uh, he, I don't, it was just such a kind thing to do. I don't know. It was just kind. Like, you know, we're in a business where everyone's got egos and people can be nasty and people can be competitive and people can have, like, it's just, he, it was just so cool. I don't know. It was just a really cool thing to do because it kind of um, ended up, dissolving my fear and resentment because I was being such a baby about it. I was like, I don't want to do an ugly podcast. And what if it has bad audio? And I know for me to say that is wild because I have started eating almonds at the end of every podcast. So for me to all of a sudden care about the audio quality, I realize is definitely hypocritical. But it just was so cool, too, because I, I love Dax and I just I think I just hadn't asked him because I know how busy he is and he has his own like blockbuster podcast. Is that even a thing? Juggernaut. He's a juggernaut. And um, I guess I just codependently like didn't want to, you know, he could always say no, but he was busy as kids and he has a wife. He's, you know, um, but I was uh, reluctant to ask any parents during uh, the quarantine because I know how busy they are. So for him to reach out was just, was so cool. And I I think you guys are gonna enjoy this. When it comes to self-awareness, psychology, rigorous honesty, like Dax is just a black belt. And I think you guys all know that if you listen to his podcast, but it was just such a breath of fresh air to talk to him 
to talk to someone during this time who wasn't making this pandemic about them, who wasn't complaining about how hard it is for them. You know, I know you guys probably have seen a lot of celebrities who are like acting like this is they're being oppressed by this in their mansions. And he's just like so he's such he's so salt of the earth. That's what it is. Um, and uh, such a freaking human being. It's been really hard to watch celebrities <laughs> right now <laughs> that aren't Dax. Like, I'm seeing a lot of celebrities like posting on their um, social media. They're like, okay, guys, here's some things to do with your kids to keep busy. Um, and they have like a list of like, color with them, play hide and seek. And we're like, bitch, most people know what to do with their kids. Most people have to spend time with their kids all the time. Most people don't have nannies. Most people aren't spending this quarantine trying to figure out how to hang out with their kids. That's something we already had to do. <laughs> like, it's so funny to watch celebrities, like, try to tell non-celebrities, like, how they're passing the time and all they do is reveal how much help they normally have when not in quarantine, people are like, okay guys, I just figured out a recipe for peanut butter and jelly. So you put, and everyone's like, we make that every day. Like, what are you talking about? We got it. This is our, no this is, we always have to make our own food. We always have to babysit our own kids. <laughs> oh God. The celebrities are just, it's too much for me. They really just can't figure it out. Everyone's like, yeah, no, we're waiting on our stimulus check. Bitch, we got it, okay? God, oh, celebrities, yeah, that are like, okay, here's the way to work out in your house. So I figured out a way to work out in my house. Everyone's like, we work out in our house. We already did that. We weren't going to spin class. We weren't paying $60 to ride a bike. We, we always worked out inside. They're like, okay, so here's a way to stay in shape. Just run around your neighborhood. Everyone's like, yeah, that's what we already did. <laughs> Sorry, I'm digressing. I just, I'm really sort of entertained by how ridiculous celebrities are behaving. <laughs> Not Dax. Not Dax. Um, so I can't wait to share this with you. Uh, I think you guys are just going to enjoy how much of a breath of fresh air uh, he is, how down to earth he is. He's also just so smart. I mean, he just blows my mind. Like it's, you know, I got to do his podcast and he would just, it's like church talking to Dax. Like it's just the best when you're talking to someone who is committed to improving themselves, committed to uh, digging into the deep cobwebs and nooks and crannies of their childhood. Like it's just, it's really cool uh, to talk to somebody who is just committed to edification and has done the work. That's what it is. Done the work. Um, couple updates before we get to Dax, which again, that's going to start very abruptly, uh, the interview, because we started kind of talking and then the audio got weird and then we had to restart talking. So sorry if it's a little discombobulated. Um, okay, that's enough for my apology festival. I want to give you guys a couple updates. You guys are asking. I hate it when people do that. I know you guys have been, a lot of people have been asking. Everyone's been asking. Like, I'm sure it's not all of you. I know. I hate that influencer shit. Um, rescheduled dates are coming soon. Check my website. They're getting updated constantly. I don't want to be that obnoxious person who's just constantly like rescheduled. Post on my main feed all of my logistical dates because most of you don't live in Orlando. Most of you don't live in Pensacola. Most of you don't live in, you know, Sacramento. So I'm just I'm trying to target 
uh, you guys by the texting app. If you text me 818-239-7527, I can text you directly when the day is, uh, the tour date is rescheduled in your area. So that's why that is such a great thing. I know you guys are like, you're stealing my data. I don't want your data. I don't want your fucking data. Don't want it. Don't need it. Okay, just text 818-239-7527 and I'll be able to just text the people in Portland, just text the people in Seattle and let you know when the dates are being rescheduled. Um, And I'm reading them also. If you see in my Instagram stories, I've been responding to people. I've got nothing but time right now. You guys are sending me photos of your dogs and your dicks and your gerbils and your parakeets and it really is lifting my spirits. It means a lot to me. Um, But a lot of uh, the tour dates are being scheduled for, it looks like, October through January. That seems really far away, but, you know, I don't want to keep rescheduling or keep canceling because that's what is happening with a lot of shows. And, you know, I think we, when we come back to doing comedy, I want it to be fucking awesome. You know, like, I don't want everyone to have to be in masks and have your, like, laughs be all muffled. You know, I'm looking out trying to make you guys laugh and you guys are like, like, you know, I want people to be able to take a drink from a waitress at the bar and feel comfortable and forget their problems. Like, you don't want to go into a theater to watch comedy and just be like worried about the person next to you and afraid to exhale and inhale and touch things. And, you know, that's not really conducive to comedy. So hopefully by then these venues will have figured out a way to make everyone feel safe, whether it's tests, whether it's an infrared light, whether it's hand washing stations, whether it's we're sitting in every other row, who knows what it's going to be, but they are going to figure it out and we are going to be back before you know it in a flash. Um, I'm also uploading a lot of solo podcasts. Uh, videos on the YouTube channel. So check out my YouTube channel. This is the shit Benton always says that I like feel so corny saying. So I force him to do it. Uh, Subscribe to all that um, and subscribe to this podcast because we're going to be doing a lot of like extra additional episodes. And if you just subscribe to them, it'll pop up in your feed right away. Give us a rating if you want to. A nice one. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick in the pandemic. That's not good for your karma. Um, uh, also keep leaving me comments. I'm checking them because I have that kind of time <laughs> right now. Um, leave me comments. Um, on Instagram, I'm reading them. The suggestions for guests, I'm reading. Uh, even the mean ones I read. And I don't take them personally because my therapist trained me to when someone behaves mean to just go, wow, sounds like they're in a lot of pain. So if you guys write something shitty to me, I'll go, mm, you seem like you're in a lot of pain. And I send you love and I send you forgiveness during this difficult time. I hope that worked. I hope you feel better. I'm happy to be your punching bag. It's the least I can do. Anyway, don't know why I'm whispering all of a sudden. But this is an amazing episode. What a pleasure. Uh, We get very deep about relationships, addictions, codependence. I could talk to this guy literally for hours. I just do not have enough good things to say about Dak Shepard. So you actually might want to get a pen and paper for this one because he drops some bangers. We drop a lot of relationship bangers, a lot of insights that we both have worked very hard um, and spent a lot of time uh, developing, coming to terms with... uh, I love the idea that we get to go to therapy and work on ourselves and like be the Robin Hood of therapy and just give you guys all the good nuggets so that you guys don't have to <laughs> go to therapy. We just are going to pass it on to you. I truly believe after this episode, you will be less 
batshit crazy. Uh, what a pleasure. I love you guys. Um, keep sending me stuff. Gonna keep doing pods. We have some amazing guests uh, coming up. Um, uh, I mean, you know what? I'm gonna keep it secret. I'm not gonna tell you. I've, I, I like kind of surprising people with the episodes now. That's my new, that's my new jam. And it's a pandemic and things could change. <laughs> If I've learned anything in the last two months, it's stop making fucking plans, bitch. They're not going to happen. I love you guys. Hope you're safe, sane, being careful. See you soon. Here's Dax. Let's get into it. Uh, are you? Are we done? Are we good? Wherever, everything's fine. I have nothing to do. The notification's off. No one's going to text me or hack me. I'll just scream if I need you. This is our lives now. I... I can't tell if this is something we should put in or not, but I breaking up for me used to be a living nightmare because I used to think I owed so much to somebody. Uh huh. Yeah. I thought I needed to owe like an explanation or I had to like lie to them. I ha- like I didn't think that adults were capable of hearing the truth. And I thought that everybody interpreted taking care of themselves as a rejection towards them because that's how I operated. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I had no concept of like faith. Well, really quick, you don't, you don't learn that on accident. If you if you have parents that when you tell them the truth, they're irrational and uh, can't handle their own emotions, then yeah. Histrionic. I learned if you stand up for yourself or have any kind of needs, it's just you're going to shatter someone. Explain that word histrionic to me because I hear it a lot in therapy. What does it mean? It's <laughs> Histrionic is overly emotional irrational a dramatic response oh kind of like hysterical is it in the same world as hysterical it's like hysterical but i don't use hysterical because i use that as like something's funny and i also think hysterical has sort of been reserved for like crazy women like you're being hysterical oh i think it's like a misogynistic freudy (laughs) thing that women are like really prone to hysteria that's that's right because i think he was always treating women for hysteria right and i think it involved him having to fuck them or make them come or something and i'm gonna say one thing just as we move on uh because i'll think about it my biggest fear in life is interrupting people i respect oh well Okay, you don't need to have that fear with me. I know, but because like these, like Zoom, whatever, however we're recording this, sometimes there's a delay and you end up interrupting someone. Yeah. So I just want to say right now, if I do, it's an accident. I think you and I both both brought nukes to a nuke fight. Like we're both interrupters. (laughs) We're both narcissists. (laughs) So like, let let it, no no one should feel bad for either of us in this scenario. (laughs) Just codependent addicts. Um, so I have, I have so many questions for you. I'm so excited we're doing No, no, no. Let's get back to the thing. The stay with the histrionic and the engagement. And then you can cut it all out. But I'm just curious. I can't, I, I almost feel like I would just marry someone I thought it was wrong. Cause if I had gotten that far. I've done that. I've done a couple things because a, a couple things wrap up in it. Number one, I think I was told as a child so much that everything was my fault, whether it was just someone else's emotional exhaustion around my needs of like, relax, calm down, you're being dramatic because my parents were not really capable, didn't have the bandwidth mm-hmm. uh, for empathy. So whenever I did want to get out of a relationship, I was like, oh, I'm probably just being an idiot. Who do I think I am? But I would cheat a lot. So I was like, "I what's worse on someone? I would go like, oh, I'm not going to break up with them. I don't want to hurt them. I'll just cheat. Sure, sure, I mean, sure, that's, sure. Psycho- that's a psychotic solution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll just start another relationship and like, they'll find out. They'll yeah. learn. 
I have a terrible history of cheating. Just it's shameful. But my history of cheating was not was really more number one. I I <laughs> until I was like thirty, I was so codependent that if someone wanted to date me, I was like, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings, so I'm gonna like I have to. Uh, uh huh. Okay. <laughs> like, I would rather be with someone I didn't want to be with than hurt their feelings, even though I didn't like them. That's how gnarly right. that gets. It's so funny how many yeah how many motive uh, how many incentives can get you to the same place. Yeah, and also I think cheating is an adrenaline addiction too because it's cheating isn't fun. It's not. It's fun maybe for a minute, like all the dopamine and oxytocin and the risk and the you know. But it's a constant stress. You're constantly looking at your phone. You're flipping your phone upside down every time a car drives by. That's the same car. You have like a pit in your stomach. It's just like it's really uh, not fun. Well, right, but but. In the way that crack's not fun, but it is, and I'm not even trying to be comedic. It is yeah. fun for the period you're smoking it. It's just that the wreckage is, is <laughs> there's really no comparison. It is like a 2080, like when it's mm-hmm. f- right. Is that about the breakdown of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you have like a good eight hour session on the pipe, yeah. you're pretty, you're looking at like 36 hours of shame and self-loathing, you know? Yeah, like this is worth giving up my house. <laughs> like, right, right. This is worth destroying everything, but that—that that to me was the the cheating thing. It really was a way to. Make- it wasn't. The, it wasn't that you just like. I just need everyone's approval. I need every person to be attracted to me, and I, and I need confirmation that they are. And I have to. You know, I just yes. that was my motivation. It's just like, oh my god, wait, does this pretty high status person like me? I I have to have that at any cost. And it's interesting because I think there was also, uh, I don't really believe in a fear of intimacy. I have a hot take on this fear of intimacy thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I I don't buy like I sort of don't buy it because. You know, like I know I'm avoidant when I'm in a relationship with someone who's anxious, preoccupied, like there's that. And a lot of guys pathologize me as having like a fear of intimacy. But it's taken me so long to go like everyone I know that has a fear of intimacy, like they manage to be intimate with someone else. It might just be you don't like someone and that's okay. You know, well, yes. But can I just add to because it was what we were just talking about. My my interpretation of fear of intimacy, because I've experienced it. I have no fear of being physically close to somebody or snuggling. I have a deep fear of like someone entering a zone that I'm not there uh, for. Mm -hmm. and, And that heartbreaks ahead. Like I have deep like, oh, no, this is getting to a place where they're feeling things I'm not feeling. And I am eventually going to have to confront this. So so it is I have a fear of that. But you have a fear of someone liking you more than you like them or needing too much from you, which to me is not true. Because and I also have a fear of intimacy. And, you know, because I'm in a 12 step program, I also know like you're safe to be intimate with and you're not safe to be intimate with. So a lot of times in relationships, people are like, why aren't you sharing that with me? I'm like, because this is what I share with people. I'm I'm closer to a stranger in a 12-step program yeah, <laughs> than the yeah, person yeah. I live with, you know? So I don't think we have to give everything to everyone either. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But you know what's funny is there's like, there's so many, it's endless and it must be exhausting for everyone who's not doing the same thing as us. But uh even something like, oh, I hate to break up with someone because I hate to hurt them. Mm-hmm. Like in my in my in my absolute most honest moments, 
I'm probably able to go, is it even that? Or it's, I can't bear to think someone has a bad opinion of me that I'm going to leave this scenario and this person's going to hate me. Is that really what's my motivation? Because I'm not, I don't know. But the irony is, if you stay with them, even though you don't like them, they're going to hate you eventually. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, postpone- you're, uh, you're postponing <laughs> yeah. it and they'll probably hate you more is the irony. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And I got to say, I have a really good track record of the moment I know someone's heading somewhere I'm not. Interesting. I'm, I'm on it right away. But man, does it suck. Regardless that I, I didn't stretch it out another four months. Just that I've driven to people's apartments Oy. and I've walked in and I know it's coming. And then they can tell it's and it's, that, ju- it, and it's brutal, the worst. Brutal, it's brutal. <laughs> and it can go on for eight hours in that apartment. And then you, no. when you walk out the door and get in your car, you're like, oh, <gasps> like, you're like, oh my God, I'm out of here. Like you feel like you're, you're driving away from a burning building. <laughs> it's that it just turns into this. Who's afraid of Virginia Wolf? Like you're saying the same thing 50 different ways. But my, my experience with breaking up with someone is I go, Oh, I need to break up with this person. I'll go in and just be like I like I need them to do it like uh, right, right, you just right. I used to try to just make myself so unattractive and despicable and I would just be so mean to them that they would have no choice but to break up with me so then yeah. I could have my cake and eat it too I could break up with the person and be the victim yes yeah I, yeah, I never did that one but I, I know a lot of dudes that do that they just start acting terrible to the person and like, well, they'll, they'll tire of this eventually. Yeah, let me just chase you away. But so often, a person that does that habitually is perpetually unavailable. And that's probably why the person was attracted to you to begin with. <laughs> so then you, you, yeah, you being even more unavailable is probably just turning up the heat on why they liked you. You're making them fall deeper and deeper in love with you. Yeah, honey, honey, honey. So what, I mean, I am now at the point and... I do it. Do you have trouble firing people also? I, I'm trying to think if I've fi- fired some. Now, look, I've had a single person in 20 years of being on sets fired. Because uh-huh. I, le- I legitimately thought the person was going to come to work with a gun. Like, I, I was, I just had a real bad feeling that the person was dangerous. Yeah. B- but I've, but I have been in screaming matches with the sound guy on, uh, <laughs> I'm parenthood, like humiliating for both of us, <laughs> just swearing at the top of our lungs in a crowded mall, shooting a Christmas scene <laughs> and just fuck you, motherfucker, both of us. Over and then, what? Oh, my God. So this this guy, this this, this would have come up anyways, is um, my number one thing I'm I'm I have no patience for. Uh, I want to own it. It's my bad problem. sound. No, I could give a flying <laughs> fuck. <clears throat> I hate being a part of a plan that makes no sense. I just, I can't bear it. Because, uh, again, my, my explanation is I had a lot of adults that came in and out of my life, and they all had a new plan, and yep. we all followed it, and it was yep. all fucked up. And, and I just left that house, and I was like, never again will I be a part of something that I don't agree with. So this guy had a, 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 a OCD. <laughs> he had to have, have some kind of OCD. So he would label the mic packs uh, when he got t- to work and often there were like 10 of us in a scene right so he yeah. would label the mic packs one two three four five six seven through ten and what the one was is whoever had the first line in the scene <laughs> no. had mic pack one yes 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 it's a bad plan <laughs> hold on 
So whoever had whoever had the first line in the scene had Mike pack one. Okay. And then whoever the second line, third line, so on, you get it. The problem is I shoot five scenes in one day. I also can't stand people touching me and getting in my body to change a mic pack. So if if in scene one I had the second <laughs> line, I would get mic pack two. Then then scene two, if I have the fourth line. He's got to change my mic pack from mic pack two to mic pack four. And I have been tolerating this for a couple years. And whatever it was about this fucking busy mall scene, I just said, I'm not fucking doing it. I go, give me mic pack number one. And I'll say this first fucking line all day long. And then he goes, well, you can't just say the first line. I go, the fuck I can't. What? Every scene will start with me going, um, and that's it. That'll be line one. I was going to say, cut to like everybody, like everyone's one through ten set up and the writer comes on and goes like, you know, actually, Joy, could you uh, just say hi first? Everyone's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah, she's got Mike back one today. So, yeah, this thing escalated. Oh, God, that's so funny. Bananas level. And (sighs) then naturally, the producers were like, you know, do you want us to relieve pete of his duties because you're really not alone to scream at the actors but anyways i was like god no i applaud him he was i was i was too aggressive and he came right back so but i'm trying to think if i i like on the on the few things i've directed i never have actually because i'm curious if it's a you know and i was going to ask about friendships if you've ever gone through a friendship breakup because i was curious if it was more a gender thing uh or more of a romantic thing or you know because i find that men i was kind of taught could not handle rejection like i was taught Mm. that men's egos are so fragile that you can't reject them in any way um whereas women i feel like i can just go you're being a dick like I, i don't have it with women I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, my example of that is there's this super cute kid, uh, really young kid I know from off-roading, and he has a car detailing business. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> every few weeks he comes over and cleans like three cars in the driveway. And I, I, I just noticed this the other day. I, I went out to him and he's young. And I said, let me tell you what people love. They don't want to hear about anything you're doing. They just want to see a problem and they want to see that it disappeared. That's like what I'm just giving you a tip. This is what everyone's desiring. They yeah. don't want to be involved in the 25 steps between you arriving and the car being clean. But I, was just, <laughs> I was just crazy direct about it, right? I would have never talked to a woman like that. And I was telling Kristen, I was telling Kristen, I'm like, I think there's gender things like uh, uh, tribally, like if you're an older male, you're kind of educating the younger dudes on how to be a person yes. in this tribe. And I have no problem doing it to guys, but but I do have a very hard time doing it to women, like I'm, being direct like that. I mean, this like gets me in trouble sometimes when I talk about this, but it is like, you know, no <clears throat> offense, but women are generally stereotypically uh, better at reading non verbal signs and faces and you being tall and you know like all of a sudden my friend Aloba is going to shut down and I'm just going to go does he not like me oh a constant thing that comes up between uh Kristen and Monica and I because we all spend so much time together is that we all debate things Mm -hmm. and yet I'm regularly in trouble because I'm being intimidating and I'm like I'm I'm having a hard time reconciling this. I understand what you're saying, but it, from my perspective, I'm communicating the exact same way as you guys with the exact same passion. I just happen to be 6'2". Like, gotcha. I'm, not, I'm not putting this on to enter this debate. 
Yet it's being read a lot differently than I think y'all's opinions are. It's also, I don't really, I'm not listening to what you're saying. I'm listening to how you're saying it. Right. Right. So I have this thing where when I am agreeing with someone, it seems like I'm fighting with them. Mm. (laughs) It's just like, like, no, we're saying the same thing. Have you ever done, uh, videoed yourself in an argument with Kristen before? No, like John got, got. Lieb, no, it's his yeah, name, John got- Gottman style, I, Gottman Institute. Is that who it is? And I think Harville Hendricks does it also. Okay. And they film you and play it back and show sort of you're able to break down the nonverbal sort of <laughs> communication of, because to me, my biggest third rail, and I'm so curious what yours is, is that in a fight, because <sighs> I can't, you, what you Wait, ju- really quick, what's a third rail? A third rail is just like the thing that, that you said before um, about the plan. That's your thing in a work oh, situation. Oh. Following a bad plan. Like, that's the thing you have no patience for. For some right. people, it's like being called cunt or bitch or stupid or sure. cheating or whatever. Yeah. M- mine is a non... It's like a deal breaker. Exactly. Or just the okay, thing okay. that activates you, triggers some childhood okay. thing. I had so much passive-aggressive communication in my family growing up that dishonest, nonverbal communication... Like to me, gaslighting basically. Uh-huh. The, the sort of like, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I can't argue with that. Like you're right. I, I, I'm yeah. now. I'm crazy if I go. Well, clearly you're not fine, right? So yeah, you're you're dead right. I mean, you can tell somebody that they are correct and they've won, and it can be obviously a statement of I don't agree with you and you're wrong. So this like, <laughs> <sighs> okay, sure. You're like. Okay, well, the fight's yeah. not over. No, no, you're right. I was wrong. So it's it's over. It's good. Well, it's obviously not good. No, no, you're right. You were totally right. I, I was I was wrong, and and it's good. We're good. Well, then I why is it. why is your voice going up nine octaves? <laughs> it's not. It's like I just <laughs> like you're it's, not, it's not. You don't mean it, you know. So there's this thing where if if I are, am to retaliate at all against that, I'm being a bitch. And dragging something out. Yeah. Even though right. you're doing the same thing, just non-verbally. So that's when I, to me, direct communication of like, you know what? I'm still pissed. I'm going to get over it. But I am still emotional about this. So can we just stop talking? Like, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I'm prone to that very stereotypical male thing where I reach a point where I've tried every tack. Mm-hmm. I, I sense that the person's re- true desire is just to be mad at me for a while and not to resolve it. And then my I don't know how to get out of that. And I will shut down in very generic male form. Well, I'll just stare at you like I don't know what <laughs> to do. I, I don't think you want to resolve this. I think you just want to be mad. And yep. I have no control over that. And, and now, now I'm out. I don't know what to do. Yeah, I'm really big on uh, they say trauma survivors take three days to even be able to process an event that's adrenalized you. So this has never gone well for anyone I've ever dated. And I'm looking forward to the person who is into this. Maybe it's a very stereotypical male of where I will go like, I'm upset. Can we talk about this in three days? Because I don't, oh, uh-huh. don't want to just like have an emotional, like recreating my childhood circumstances, like adrenaline fe- trauma response festival right now. Can we yeah. just like talk in three days when I know that I'm not going to be like hopped up on cortisol? Well, what if you live together? Are you going to just avoid each other for three days? Maybe. Because I'll, I'll do, hey, I'm clearly emotional, so I am I pretty much know for certain that some fear of mine is being triggered. I'm going to go 
take 15, 20 and think about that. I, I do that. That's great. I don't know. Once every six weeks, I have to do that. Does that go over well? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Kristen's very fine with that. Because I remember seeing you on maybe some talk show, maybe Kimmel or something. Or no, maybe it was her on Kimmel talking about like you, the first time you guys went on a motorcycle ride together, you got in like a huge fight, like very early into your relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also context. So yes, yes. <laughs> you were going to see your parents maybe or something. We, we had We had just done a movie together in New York. And right. we lived together and we had only been dating for a few months. And it, that was a very big mistake on both of our parts <laughs> to, to live in a tiny, dark apartment in New York and work together. So there was a lot. And this was before we started couples therapy. In fact, this trip caused couples therapy. So, <laughs> And then the really funny thing, and we've told this before, so I'm not don't be thinking I'm selling out my wife. We've both told this publicly. Uh I had told the producer, the producer did not want to hire, not not even the producer, the studio, Disney did not want to hire both of us because they knew we were newly dating. And that's gone sideways on so many productions that they were like, we're not getting burned again. So, no. So, I told the producer, who's one of my best friends, I said, listen to me, I will make you a promise right now that under no circumstance will I be breaking up with this girl while we shoot. And there were, I have a history of not being able to break up with women. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. I physically can't do it. And there were at least 15 or 20 incidents in that <laughs> two months in New York where in my head I was literally thinking, if I had not promised Panay, I would be so far out the door. And I don't know that I'd ever call to even resolve it. I mean, we had... <laughs> we got to get I this never, right. No reshoots on this movie. We've got to fucking nail it. <laughs> Yeah, so so then we 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 wrap the movie and then um, we decide. I had shipped my my motorcycle to New York to drive it during the summer, and then we decided, well, let's drive to Michigan. We're both from Michigan, so the movie wraps, and we start driving uh, home. And within like I don't know five hours, four hours, you're in Pennsylvania. There's no helmet law. I don't like to wear a helmet when there's no helmet law. So I take off my helmet, and then we pull over to get gas, and she won't talk to me. She's so mad. What's the matter? I don't like that you don't have a helmet on. Uh, we're going 90 miles an hour, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, so what's the speed that you would be comfortable with with no helmet? And she's like, well, I don't even want to be on the highway. And I go, okay, what if I find a two-lane road that we can ride parallel to the highway? Would that be okay? And she's like, yes, that's fine. So I take the helmet off. We find this two-lane road. We're driving next to the highway and uh, pull over at the next gas station. What's the matter? She's angry again. Well, you're still going 70. You're going 70. And I go, okay, what's the number? What is the miles per hour I can ride? And then a third thing, it started raining. Then it was that I was riding with a helmet in the rain. And then this just went on and on until we fought about who's who could control the iPod. At that time, an iPod to run through the stereo on the motorcycle. And then we got in a fight over that. And so the last two and a two or three hundred miles of the trip she simply would not talk to me she wouldn't even hold on to me which is dangerous which is so funny Uh, she's doing the most dangerous thing (laughs) yeah yeah she won't hold on to me uh and then we get to her mom's house and in my mind i'm gonna wave goodbye (laughs) i'll talk very favorably of her uh for life uh but that that's it for me and my plan is to pull up in that driveway, wave goodbye, and literally just be out. 
And as I pull up, her mom's in the driveway waiting to take a photo of us because we've just <laughs> completed this motorcycle journey. And so now we're posing for pictures. <laughs> And I can't stand her, and she I can't see stand those me. Photos. Oh, me too. I got. I'm sure her mom has them. So then, and this is really great. I've never been to her house at this point, her childhood home. So her mom goes, "Come in. We gotta come in. I've made you whatever the hell she." So I have to enter the house, even though my plan was just to drop her off and leave. I now, <laughs> I'm now inside the house. I swear to God, this is the truth. I'm in the house for 20 seconds, and her mother says, "Honey, it's all queued up." And Kristen goes, Alf? And she goes, yes, let's go. The first order of business is to sit on the couch and watch Alf on VHS tape. This is for real. So I find myself (laughs) sitting on a couch watching Alf, which I've never seen, on VHS with this girl I want to break up with. And her and her mother love it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I want to just, like, vaporize myself and disappear. <laughs> so it's such a weird show to watch for the first time as an adult. <laughs> and within 30 seconds of arriving on a road trip. I, I Like, who goes to their childhood home and then within a, two minutes is watching a movie, a show from the 80s? It's also, God bless them. It's also wild because as I am hearing you say, like, we stopped every you know, gas station and fought, my brain is already going, well, she's already your soulmate because she's going on this trip with you. Well, that's what's so weird about both of us is that like, there's all this contradictory and paradoxical behavior happening. Yes, she probably shouldn't have even been on the motorcycle in the first place. And I should have definitely said, wow, this gal's willing to do this thing she doesn't want to do. The least I could do is make her feel as safe as possible during it. Uh, Yeah, both of us are just, we're both control freaks. But and we me, had not learned yet. To me, that is the most like because I remember hearing like an iteration of that story early on and going like, oh, they're going to make it because no one's pretending. No one's pretending. They're both being authentic. Like it's not about the absence of conflict. It's about how you handle the conflict and how quickly you can recover. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, we got home from that trip and and uh, I think we were both were like either we need some help. The thing that was always going for both of us is that I won't speak for her, but for me, I was like, holy shit, what a unique personality this human being has. Like yeah. when the high, when the highs are high, they're unparalleled. She just is magic. And yeah. I would love to be sitting on a porch with her when I'm 80. She's the person. Yet all this other stuff, our own baggage just was so corrosive. So anyways, she, let's go to couples therapy. I go, I, all right, who should we go to? Oh, let's go see my therapist, Harry. And I'm like, I don't, that doesn't mm-hmm. feel right. I'm going to go like see your your therapist. Home court advantage. Yes. And then she goes, well, he is, um, I think at the time he had already been 12 years sober and I was three years sober. I was like, oh, well, if he's sober, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. So That's I went cool. and met him and I had a little session with him before we had our couple session and I immediately loved him. Awesome. What's funny is I, I told him that whole story and- I got to the part I told you where I said, well, so I told the producer I will not break up with her under any circumstance. And then I used the phrase, now that we're back in real life, I just, I don't think I can do it. Yeah. And he goes, well, what's funny is that was real life. What you're doing now is not real life. Making a commitment is real life. You think you did it for this arbitrary reason, but by the way, that's probably the first time in your life you've actually made a commitment. 
Like under no circumstance am I not working this out. And I was so like, cool. that just blew my mind. Blew my like, mind, oh. and also it was almost like a, a mini starter for marriage. Of like, I, I, th- I'm locking the door. I'm yes, not. The door's yes. locked, and we're gonna fucking get in the ring and figure this out. Breaking up is not an option. I'm not gonna we're play. We're on a desert island, and that's that. We got to either learn to get along, or it's gonna be miserable. And I'm not gonna. I can't threaten you anymore. I can't yeah, play that, that card. That's really big. Yeah, that was hard for me. That was the hardest part about getting married for me. Is I was like, what leverage do you have anymore none yeah none and that i'm always fascinated with men what the when your brain goes from she's my girlfriend to we're gonna be 80 on a rocking chair together like do you remember the moment you were like oh this is my wife or was it just a foregone conclusion well another wrinkle was that i fundamentally did not believe in the institution of marriage Mm -hmm. like i had been with a girl for nine years before Kristen. Yeah. And we were going to have a baby for sure. Like I was not, I was very in favor of spending your life with somebody, but I was just theoretically opposed to the notion of documents documents and asking the state to let you not be with someone anymore. I I just, I have to go go downtown. Yeah. And it's clearly has a religious uh, foundation. I just, why am I participating in this thing that I inherited? Anyways, I had all these opinions about it, but at a certain point I was like, Mm, she wants that really yeah. bad and she will that will make her feel safe and so really not still never like embracing the concept i went and i got uh the engagement ring and i'll tell you i, I had the most memorable experience so i go there i brought her stylist such a huge gift that normal guys don't have which yeah. is and I, so I bring her a stylist to pick out a ring. And I say, here's how this, because I, I still want to say. So I said, so I'm going to tell you which ring I like the most. And then you tell me which ring you like the most. And she goes, okay, this woman, Nicole, she's wonderful. <laughs> and I go, I like that one. And she like squealed. And she goes, oh my God, that's the one I like too. No and I was way. like, oh, yay. So anyways, I felt very good about that. That's so and unusual. Then- Guys, I, I pictured yours like being like a skull with diamonds. <laughs> oh, no, no. no. <laughs> There was like a very Art Deco-y one with a yellow diamond in it that was 100 Amazing. years old. And I was like, oh, I dig it. It looks like the Chrysler building or something. So uh, also, this is this is many years ago. Yeah. Uh, the amount of money I was pa- paying for this ring was substantial versus what I had saved at that moment, right? Yeah. In time. Did you and feel hit- like because she was, sorry to ask, because she was, is famous that you had to deliver a certain kind of ring? Hmm, was that a part of it? Because like, f- knowing that she'll be on red carpets and people will look at it. And- I had a friend who she was 38 and her dude was like, let's go pick out rings. She picked out the ring she wanted, which was a humble what she wanted. And then he waited two years to propose because he was like, oh, well, I want to get the bigger one like that. His hmm. ego was kind of and she was like, idiot, I'm becoming infertile. I don't give a shit about this. This is about your <laughs> ego. This is about your yeah. dick. And not uh-huh. who I am. So I'm always curious how men decide the size and how much that's to do with the girl and them. Well, so I have all this baggage from growing up in Michigan, which I'm sure is is the same in any state where you achieve status by money only. Like mm. one of the things I, I love about L.A. is, and we were just talking about this last night, uh, you go to Gelson's grocery store here, you look at the line, 
you have a 50-50 chance of guessing whether someone's homeless or a billionaire. It's really... <laughs> it's true. Yes, it's like, true. The dude with dreadlocks and all this shit, he may have created Dharma and Greg That's or something. Right. You just don't know who here yes. is, uh, is rich as fuck and who's uh, on the streets. Always. I love that. Yes. That's one of my favorite parts of LA. Hipster or homeless? <laughs> Which one? Yeah. And then because of that, everyone kind of gives everyone a baseline of like, uh, status because uh-huh. they don't they're afraid yes. i mean I, I doubt it's motivated out of something positive but regardless so one of the things in the in, irony sorry is the people with the least amount of money are wearing gucci sweaters <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> the people that are ostentatious in some way are usually the ones that are dead yeah and it's just a cultural thing of la and yeah. and i guess because i grew up in michigan and we didn't have a bunch of money and i was just so aware that that's how you got status and if you look at a grocery store in michigan and you look at a line of 12 people you could probably predict with like 80 percent accuracy who makes what and where they live yeah because wow. every dude's gonna the second a dude can afford a rolex he's gonna buy one yep. and the second he can wear polo collared shirts he's gonna so there's just all these visual indicators of 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 money and status and it's always rubbed me the wrong way And so to me, the huge solitary diamond always reeked of that. So I never was going to try to get her like an eight carat diamond. Yeah. But I'm into cool shit. Like I'm into art deco stuff. I'm into like rare stuff. I'm in, you know, so uh, and and I did think I needed to spend a shitload of money because I didn't want to. Because I think it's a ridiculous thing to buy. Mm-hmm. So I needed to take like contrary action and <laughs> yeah. do something that yeah. I disagree with to yes. make a statement to myself. So anyways, pick out this ring. For me, it's a lot at the time. I hand the guy my American Express. And as I'm handing him the card, I get this very, very familiar visceral wave over my whole body of like this very specific feeling. And I was like, what is this feeling? It's so reminiscent. What is it? It's so specific. And I was like, oh my God, this is the exact moment that when you go get a tattoo, they put the little outline on your body and they show it to you. They just do a little transfer. And then you look at it in the mirror for a couple minutes. And then you look back at the guy and you go, yeah, let's do it. And you know, when you say, yeah, let's do it. That's the last time your shoulder doesn't have that ink on it. It's just a very specific feeling. And I remember jumping off a cliff, kind of. Yes, yes. The moment you're making the credit card, I was like, oh, wow, I am doing this for life now. I'm handing him this card and there's no going back. I noticed, though, that guys like a lot of my guy friends, the time between when they buy the ring and actually get engaged is their favorite time because they're all like in a jewel heist movie. 100%. (laughs) You're like hiding the ring and you're like, and I have a theory that like, guys, that's their favorite part of it because they're constantly James Bond, like smuggling a ring around. And our our mind compounded with the fact that I, we were, when we were very, when we were first together, we were both neurotic about our privacy. We don't feel that way at all now. Okay. But, but we were, we did not like paparazzi. We didn't like. We just didn't like that it wasn't up to us to, to announce anything or share or invite people into, you know, I, mm-hmm. we, we're not like that anymore. But just at, at first, we were just like, oh, I don't I don't like that everyone else is involved in this new thing. Was there any fear of like, what if this doesn't work out and we've are imprinted on the Internet? No, I didn't have that fear. I just had the fear of, wow, if if I tell I got to be very specific about who I tell I've bought this ring to because it it, oh. it 
Well, like it or not, it is newsworthy or it has a value to the inquirer. Someone could call. Yeah. And so I was crazy uh, diligent or not said that the right word, but I, I was I was very careful to not let anyone know that I was going to ask her to mm-hmm. marry me. And I was I had this overly elaborate plan that I was going to take her to this restaurant. And it's the restaurant I first told her I loved her. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, at any rate, about. A week and a half before I planned that, I get an email from my publicist saying, just so you know, this is running tomorrow. The fucking jeweler. No! No! (laughs) Yes, yes. I hesitated even saying his name, but he's a very famous jeweler. And he announced to like people that he had sold me an engagement ring for Kristen. And I was so pissed and I knew it was coming in like does two he days. Have, does it, he have the same first name as Kristen's therapist? <laughs> no, 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 okay, no. But okay. it, it'd only take you one I more guess. Yeah, so I'll stop the game now. Yeah. I'll tell you off the air. But anyways, um, I was like, oh, well, then I have till tomorrow to now propose, basically, or whatever, four or five more days. This happened another time, too. Wow. I fucking ordered Kristen something for Christmas, like in the first week of December. And it was some female thing, and that's and and I stupidly used my real name because my credit card or whatever the hell was. Her Christmas present was in the <laughs> was in the news like a week before Christmas. Oh no! Yes, the person who I had bought it from called whoever they call. I don't know how it works, but it was yeah all over the internet that I had gotten Chris Kristen this specific gift. There's a bunch of things I have to ask you, and if I don't, the listeners are going to freak out. Because okay. I ask ever. Well, first I want to ask you: Am I allowed to ask about your injury? Oh yeah, yeah. I was um, I was off roading, and I broke my hand. Broke well, it. I bro- well, I broke the the uh, three of the four uh, carpels across the top of your hand snapped, and so then I had to get surgery, and they put pins in them. Yeah. Oh, I saw you pulling them out. That's right. Yes. yes. I thought so I we're dreamt down, that. <laughs> we're down one pin. Yeah. We, I think there's six left in there, though. Oh, wild. And is is the off-roading and the is it still contention with your wife or you guys have just this is something you have to accept about me? Well, what's amazing again, and and it really it really tells you uh, something we already know, which is the helmet argument wasn't about the helmet. Nope. The the music argument wasn't about the music. Right. Um so I think Kristen was falling in love with a guy who had a gnarly past, certainly one that differed from hers. And I think she rightly was terrified to link her train car to this train going, yes. is this thing going to, is, is he going to relapse? He, he was a sex addict, maybe mm-hmm. or like all these things, understandably, it was really fear. And then there were all these other things that, 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 that um symbolized it to her. So weirdly enough, and, and Kristen would admit this too. Kristen was pretty jealous the first couple of years we were together, she didn't love that I was friends with my ex-girlfriends and this kind of stuff. Mm. And uh, from the day I asked her to marry me, she's the least jealous person I've ever met. She doesn't care how dirty my jokes the are. Magic trick. Uh, it is. And I was like, oh, my God. It was kind of a leap of faith because I was like, I, I didn't think I would marry someone that was jealous. It just wasn't my bag in the past. But I just loved her so much. And then like a light switch, it was gone forever. Mm-hmm. And and all this other stuff, like she 
I race. She doesn't care. I ride motorcycles everywhere. She doesn't care. Yep. It, it's it's interesting. It is. It is just sort <clears throat> of this like box that gets checked because look, I've been with someone. I've been engaged to someone. I've never been married to someone, but I do know the moment I got engaged, I didn't care who he followed on Instagram. I didn't care who he was texting. And I do think you know, being in public, which everyone's a public figure now with Instagram, frankly. So right, I think yeah, I, yeah. everyone can relate to it. There's something about telling the world I'm off the market. Yeah. I didn't realize how much I needed or how helpful that was, yeah, you know, yeah, because the big yeah. thing is like, oh, he can hang out with his exes as long as it's been on his Instagram that he's engaged. Like they know what's up. And I know, you know, it just was like such a yeah. relief. Yeah. So for whatever reason, all, any, you know, issue I had in that regard just evaporated. Oh, Dak Shepard. Thank God for Dak Shepard. I feel like he has joined the fight to encourage people to get help, examine yourself, edify yourself, be better, do better. But I'm busy and I don't have time to go to a therapist and I have to get in the car and I have to drive and I don't can't wait in the waiting room. No excuses anymore because of BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a company that gives you therapy online. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely on the internet. Broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network. The service is available to clients worldwide. So if you're in Argentina, you can't play that card no excuses. You can log into your account anytime, send a message to your counselor. So when you're in a fight with your girlfriend, you can't be like, well, I would have messaged my counselor, but I can't. That's why I'm being crazy. No excuses. You can do it anytime because BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it easy. They make it free to change counselors. So you can't play the card of, oh, but I don't like my therapist and I can't change them and it's a hassle. No excuses anymore to be crazy with BetterHelp. Okay, visit their website, read the testimonials, but you don't even need to do that because I already said to get my opinions the only one that matters. Uh, now's the time in quarantine to get your mental wealth on point. BetterHelp.com slash Whitney. That doesn't mean you're going to become like Whitney because that's not the direction you want to go mentally. <laughs> Better H-E-L-P and join the over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health and mental wealth with the help of an experienced professional. You can't do this on your own. You wouldn't do your own surgery. You wouldn't take your own spleen out. Don't think you can just read self-help books and be done. You need a legitimate counselor who knows what they're doing. You're going to get a special offer because you are my listeners. Good for you listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Whitney. Your spouse will thank you. Your kids will thank you. Your boss will thank you. Ooh, ooh, hoo, 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 hoo. The key to surviving quarantine, I find this time, is doubling down on self-care, okay? You gotta take showers. You gotta shave your legs. You gotta shave your armpits. You gotta shave your mustache, that's where Billy comes in. Thank God they sent me this razor right before the quarantine happened. And it's this razor that I'm not even going to read the ad because I'm just going to tell you how much I love it. You can put it over your knees and not start hemorrhaging blood. <laughs> That's how I know this is a good razor <laughs> is that you can kind of drunkenly, blindly shave all your crevices without shredding your body. 
Okay. The great thing about this, if you know me, you know it drives me nuts also, when things cost more just because they're being marketed towards women. What they've done is they have basically recreated everyday essentials by delivering the razors and body care directly to you. No pink tax, no scams. You don't have to go to the drugstore. You don't have to put on your mask and and put your life at risk by going to the drugstore just to shave your legs. They're going to send it right to you. Go to mybilly.com, get their starter kit for only $9. Wow. That includes their award-winning razor, two refill blades, and a magnetic holder that keeps your razor safe and dry in between uses. And Billy is out to change more than just the way you shave. They just released three completely clean must-have products to add to your routine. Lip balm, dry shampoo, my favorite, and face wipes. Ooh, I want those. Um, I'm obsessed with the razor. You can shave your mustache without cutting your lip and making it look like, you know, uh, you have a giant herpy on your face or whatever ends up happening. You can do your armpits without, because I always like, with regular razors, always like cuts right here and then you're chafing and you can't wear a sports bra. It's kind of a whole nightmare. Not with Billy. And express a little love for our show. Go to mybilly.com slash Whitney. Very small way you can support this show and also get the smoothest legs around. You're going to feel like a bowling ball after you get a My Billy razor. You're going you're gonna to feel like a porpoise. You're going to feel like a goddamn dolphin. It's only $9 to get your starter kit plus free shipping. Always, always, always go to mybilly.com slash Whitney, spelled my B-I-L-L-I-E dot com slash Whitney. Get smooth. Get delectable. And my question for you um, about the offering stuff, I'm watching a lot of my friends who are comedians uh, who now, without being able to do stand-up, are unraveling. Ah, uh, sure, sure. <laughs> because we've yeah. now realized that this very, um, they've been held together by this very delicate balance of adrenaline, exhibitionism, making people laugh, being the Approval. center. Approval. Center of attention, getting flirted with, being adored, being all this. And now that's been taken away from them and they are just dissolving into a ball. Yeah. And it's scary to watch. And I'm curious, is there anything that's like with what's been going on with this time where you're like, oh, I didn't realize how much I needed that part of my routine or how much I needed that thing? Well, what I want to first say, because it just it reminds me of this so much is. You have a dangerous occupation, and and I have a dangerous occupation. Yes. In, in that, I had a guest at a live show that had just come off of a very gnarly bender, and I know I always see another fisherman at sea. Like I yeah, know yeah, what yeah. people are doing. Kristen's always like, "What are you?" Th- oh, we go to a gas station. I'm like, "Oh, that guy's on meth." What are you talking about? And then the dude next to him in lines on Xanax, and she's like, "How do you?" You know, that's yeah. just, that's just my radar. So. This this person had a really gnarly, like, three-day bender, almost didn't make the show up until the moment of the show, live show, and then just fucking crushed. I mean, just <laughs> fucking annihilated 4,000 people. Yep. And I had this, like, epiphany mm-hmm. after, because I, I saw the person's demeanor and what their self-esteem was just prior to the show. And then I saw it after. And I was like, this is the death trap of performers mm-hmm. because you can seemingly turn your life around in an hour. 
You can walk in someplace going, I'm a piece of shit, I'm mm-hmm. worthless, I'm a failure, I'll never break these patterns, and then you fucking carpet bomb yep. a, a 4,000 people and you 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 give them this experience and you're in control and you're in charge and you have all your powers and, and, and then you walk off and you go, it's not that bad, mm-hmm. you know? And I was saying, it's not like a dude, a, a guy that works at a muffler shop has a three-day bender, his wife hates his guts, he goes to work and installs the perfect fucking muffler. I'm back! <laughs> that shit is quiet! <laughs> it is, you're not going to be able to turn around your entire opinion of yourself by installing a muffler perfectly. So I've, met, I've known a lot of performers that can't get sober or just can't get it, and I think it's part of the issue is that yeah. either their job is can be so profoundly rewarding in those moments mm-hmm. or people's obviously too, their, their, their appetite for to be around them makes them very tolerant to some terrible behavior that other people wouldn't get away with. And realizing how much of their internal needs were getting met externally and how they have no idea to, how to get them met otherwise. So, yes, yes, I'm watching. I mean, it's it's really interesting to watch. I'm kind of able to delineate like who's been working on themselves these past 10 years and who wasn't. If this had happened to me 10 years ago, I'd have died two months ago. Yeah. But watching people be like, I'm going crazy. And I can't, I'm like, bitch, I'm fine. I've been working on myself. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. My inner monologue's on point. Like, I can be, yeah. I can be alone with myself. Like, <laughs> yeah. Are you doing Zoom Al Anon meetings? I'm doing Zoom Al Anon meetings. Uh, and I have to clown on them for one second. Uh, okay. Because of the backgrounds. <laughs> I don't, oh, yes. I'm so yeah, curious. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm so yeah. curious the difference between AA Zoom meetings and Al Anon Zoom meetings because Al Anons were wired to entertain and, and try so hard to make people like us that all the backgrounds are like funny. Oh boy, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's like Homer Simpson's <laughs> living room, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then someone's just like crying. <laughs> like, it's just like such yeah. a and then one I was uh you know, I identify as a love addict also, and uh-huh. I was in a love uh addict meeting and there was someone of course whose background was Paris, like the Eiffel Tower. Oh, perfect. <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah, everyone was yeah. texting like, is this triggering anyone else that this is the most uh, ro- <laughs> yeah, romantic like a, city in the world? A, g- a gondola, a gondola <laughs> in the <laughs> Venice canals. <laughs> totally. <laughs> or a blanket <laughs> and a picnic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I, um, I enjoy them. You know, Al-Anon's, we are mothers, micromanagers, martyrs, and we are control freaks and we need things to go exactly how they go. So it's been uh, how we need them to go so that we feel okay. But it's been interesting. It's been like sort of another layer in recovery to be okay with how bad people's camera angles are. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's like in the yeah. meetings, it used to be the, you know, gum chewing or opening wrappers or the, you know, whatever. But now it's, you know, yeah. we're all like, <laughs> you know, I'm okay with the fact that I can't even, you're fucking backlit. And <laughs> I, 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 I wonder if there is something, some, some stereotype that's working because dude, here's, here's my view of a lot of the guys in AA on the fucking Zoom meeting. Like, they're in bed. They're like, <laughs> you uh, uh, and you're like, hey, put a fucking mo- an ounce of effort into this, you fuck. Your your microphone's covered. You're laying down. You're you're 
You're prone. <laughs> Mine, I feel like the Al-Anon. Sit up and talk. Alanons are always, they're just like, yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? To, like, <laughs> Why are you over there? How do you not see? I mean, Alanons, <laughs> it's like, well, it's funny because we run the gamut of like, have to be perfect all the time. So you'll have people that are fully made up, full hair, full thing. Yeah. And then you'll just have sort of the more self-loathing, like, hi, guys, that <laughs> like can hardly talk into their mic. But it's also wild to watch because Alan is this thing a Al, is an Alan on wet dream this Corona thing? It kind of feels like it would be for isolators. It's kind of a dream. The problem is, you know, we have the the our medicine is right. The opposite of addiction is connection. Our medicine is connecting, and now yeah. we have more excuses than ever to not connect. But yes, I think. It is kind of because am I right in that part of the appeal of a codependent is that I'm going to worry about this other problem that's so extreme that my personal problems will pale in comparison to that. And I don't have to look at them. Is that do I have that somewhat right? Yes, you have it somewhat right. And I'm actually psyched we're talking about this if it's not boring to you, because I feel like when I did your show, whenever someone asked me about codependence. I get really perfectionistic because I want so badly to explain it perfectly. <laughs> and I get, yeah, sure. I like get overwhelmed because I'm like, there's a newcomer listening and I can't fuck this up. Like I immediately relapse. But yeah, a big part of it is, you know, there's this kind of um, idea that codependents are like, you know, um, the goody two shoes or, you know, the kind of like, I thought I was just an angel. Like I came into Al-Anon and I was like, oh, well, I'm rescuing addicts and I get people sober. And like, now I have to go to a meeting because I'm just too nice. And like, I'm too perfect. And you go in and you realize, no, bitch, like you're doing the same shit addicts are doing right manipulating uh denial delusion you know running red lights while texting like but you don't have an excuse you're sober like you're Uh, right right well the the other human is their cocaine right that's right drama adrenaline so a lot of it is i'm gonna rescue you i'm gonna focus on your problem so yes i don't have to look at myself and in comparison i'm gonna be perfect because that's our dream in life is to just be the straight a perfect you know student yeah. the valedictorian of life so if i if i just focus on how much of a mess you are in comparison i must be pretty amazing so i'm deriving my self-worth and my self-esteem from just juxtaposing it with someone who's you know a, been a on train wreck a total train wreck it's not that yeah. hard to be an a plus if you're yeah. only surrounding yourself with By the way, us addicts do it too like i know so many of my friends were bummed when i got sober because they're like fuck <laughs> that means now i'm the worst <laughs> addict in our group like, i gave <laughs> yeah. a lot of comfort i think to you know, other people but also it's you know i was like uh talking to my therapist the other day and she reminded me because going through this whole you know nightmare of what we're going through i i was like it's really hard for me to like enjoy this time or use this time because i feel so guilty you know um about what's you know going on in the world and she was like yep just don't forget codependents they feel guilty when they've done nothing wrong which is sort of another deal with us yeah 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 and also the overdeveloped sense of responsibility like i oh my god i don't know can you can you have a facetime with with Kristen? i mean (laughs) you're describing so many and by the way i love her so much i feel like her and i are kind of i mean i don't want to insult her it would be an insult to her and a compliment to me to say i feel like we're pretty similar that guilt thing when you said that i'm like oh my god i remember some of our first arguments when we first started dating and we're like she felt so guilty for being successful, like wow. that she had achieved wow. this thing. And 
other people. I'm like, fuck that. You 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 took a gamble with mm-hmm. odds at about a hundred thousand to one. That's right. And and you feel guilty. Like well, I feel like a champ. Wow, it's interesting because I wonder, in my case, I wasn't allowed to shine too brightly when I was a kid because if I did, you're showing off, you're gloating, you're, yeah. you're, you know, you're injuring a narcissist and you're taking up too much space. So maybe that uh, she got that honestly. Oh, yeah, that, that kind of holds. You know, just the idea. How, but yeah. Yeah, just the idea of, like, well, yeah, as soon as she went home, the mom was like, we're watching Alf. We're going to watch a real star. <sighs> <laughs> you think you're so hot? We're gonna, yeah, this motherfucker's an alien life form. I'm sorry, are you from a different planet? Because this motherfucker is. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's that. But I also think that there is a, and I obviously don't know what um, her situation was, but when you grow up around sort of any kind of alcoholism, which we know for alcoholism to be present, alcohol doesn't have to be present. It can, what I learned in Al-Anon is it can be cooking. It can be obsessively cleaning, obsessively controlling, like, you know, obsessively gardening and you know growing up on farms and like i'm learning like how deep this is in our dna from generations you know even when alcohol wasn't present you know right it's sort of like whatever you're doing that stops being a choice it has to you know it has to serve an evolutionary function or it wouldn't be so easy for us to fall into this i mean i have to imagine like in a group dynamic where you have a a, a charismatic leader, yep. you know, that every like any group animal, I bet, has like dogs probably have some hard wiring for codependency. Yes. And codependents are the people who, you know, 100 years ago saved someone's life because they were like, can I pop that zit on your back? That might be something. We have to see what that is. You know, like yeah. the obsessive groomers, the obsessive micromanagers, you yes. know, they serve a very important purpose, probably kept our species going for a long time. The hypervigilant people yeah. who were always like, this is a problem, They're trying to solve problems all the time. But what I learned that took me so long to learn is like if you don't help someone fix someone, like helping isn't helping because you're robbing them their ability to grow uh-huh. and uh-huh. you're not giving them the dignity of their own experience. So it took me so long to go, oh, I'm just going to like the worst thing I can do is solve that problem for you so that you don't develop the ability to solve your own problems. And I'm robbing you of like pride. Right, yeah. Self-esteem. That's the meanest thing I can do is take your ability. And then it's also a way for us to recreate our childhood circumstances of being like the victim of like, well, you know, it's like when you hear people being like, oh, and then I had to drive him to the airport and then I had to do it and then I had to do this. And it's like, you didn't have to do any of that. You just right. You just want to brag about how good of a person you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. This isn't nice. Do you find you... Do you find that it's um, in the way that learning how movies are made and being a part of them can ruin the experience in in, in a lot of ways, Ooh. right? Like you, you can just you can see the math happening. Yes. You, you know, like 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 nineteen seventeen. Uh, I, I I was so distracted by the filmmaking, which was so exceptional. Yes. Right? I just I was like the 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 the. the, the I was so preoccupied with how they were physically doing it that like the movie ended and I was like, well, that was visually unbelievable. And I had to say to my mom, was that a good story? Like I couldn't even pay attention to the story because I was so distracted. But do you find it all that like once you 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 recognize in yourself these lies you tell yourself Mm. that it gets a little um, you're just aware of other people telling their lies out loud and I, not not in a judgmental way, not in a I'm better. Just mm-hmm. like, oh, I recognize that. That's the thing I do as well. 
it's very clear like who's asleep and who's a zombie. Yeah, I mean, I remember my therapist saying something to me a couple years ago. I had done the Al-Anon steps. I had done the ACA steps, adult child of alcoholic step work, which is, you know, of course, what we do in program to kind of change our wiring uh, and engage our frontal lobe and do our inventory and sort of like clean out all the nasty shame cobwebs and stuff. Um, and I started on the love addiction steps and she said something that was really interesting. She was like, you are, how, how much do you want to recover? Because the number of people you're going to be able to date is going to get smaller and smaller. Uh Uh-huh. You're making your pool. So as a love addict, I just want to let you know, if you do these steps, you might have less people to draw from because it's going to become so unattractive to you when you see people that haven't examined themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, but the well, good- it's it's also just like a, a more uh, benign example. I would guess would be like when when a therapist teaches you uh, to make the I statement. So like when you shut the door, mm-hmm. I became scared, as opposed to you tried to scare me by slamming the door. Like those simple I messages of this fact happened that no one could argue about. And then I felt this way. Not you made me feel this Mm. way. I I felt this way. Mm -hmm. Once you've practiced that and you're having a conversation with someone and they're telling you all the ways you made them feel, Mm -hmm. it's just interesting. I just I I hear it all the time. And not even if I'm involved, I'll hear other people say like, and then he just made, you know, he made me feel like this or she made me feel like it. And I'm like, well, it's not really how it works. Your like, dad made you feel that way. Yeah, uh, exactly. You, <laughs> let's be honest. Any, anything could make you feel that way. You feel that way all the time, probably. And yeah. anything will send you there. And it is hard because what I remember the last person that I dated was in program, which I just loved so much. But it was interesting because my therapist said to me, as someone who is in, you know, codependent with a recovered addict, she said, just so you know, his recovery is going to feel to you dismissive. So because it's very, you know, cut and dry and sort of if I'm upset and crying, he's like, well, feelings aren't facts, Uh which is true. But (laughs) (laughs) recovery to someone who's not in recovery sounds really self-righteous and sanctimonious. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. So you and I, yeah. Also, there's there. This is a male thing, uh, or predominantly male, or very common in males. So AA is a solution program. Yes, and men love solutions. When their ladies tell them something, all they're thinking of is how can I fix this? How can I fix this? Mm-hmm. She said that. Oh, maybe if she doesn't go to that gym anymore, she won't feel that way. So you're never. It, it, that's just not a guy thing to to recognize. Oh, the person just wants to share how they're feeling yep. and and be seen for feeling that way. And it's very hard for us to break it. So I do that too to Kristen where like she says something and I'm like, if you're an AA, if I sponsored you, I'm like, let's get to the solution. Do you want to repeat this a thousand more times or do you want to solve this? Yeah. But but quite often I have to remember she doesn't, I'm not her fucking solution. <laughs> Sounds uh, like you need to do some service. Yeah. Project manager. <laughs> I don't need to solve everything for her. I can just listen to her when she's sad. It's hard. Which is really, really hard. Uh it also to not take it personally, like it, it, it is a codependent, certainly. And it, I, I, if you, if we're in a relationship and you feel bad, it must in some way mean that I have failed. Big, t- I have that really bad. Which is like, it, I don't have to take it personally. That doesn't mean I'm ugly. I are yep. fat. Uh, my brain goes there right away. 
And I also had this problem. Oh, you're saying on your side, because I, I experienced that a lot on my side as well. Mm-hmm. Which is if you're upset, yeah. it's my fault be- because I have a history of being an addict and not showing up and and fucking people over. Or, or so when I someone's upset, you. I'm, I'm around. My hunch is you think it's me. And there's also the challenge of being in a relationship. I'm curious uh, if you have this where I feel like I need to be as sad as you are sad and as happy as you are happy. So I'm I'm really starting to come to terms with this because I. I also think we 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 kind of try to do a binary thing like you're an addict or an Al-Anon. Now, mind you, my father died maybe 28 years sober or something, and he mm-hmm. also went to Al-Anon. So I'm obviously aware that you can be both. Well, but- we say that it's the Al-Anon covers from zero to when you started using, and then AA covers when you started using on. So it's like everyone's. Oh, yeah. So it's like well. Before you were able to self-soothe with sex and drugs or food or whatever, it was with behaviors and control, and so that's sort of. They're all both. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, I've probably neglected that whole aspect. Yeah, because my dad was an addict that was using at the time. And my mom is probably, by her own admission, a love addict. You know. Yeah. But I, I, I'm just starting to recognize that I – and I, I think I'm aware of it, but I don't think I saw that I was doing it, which is what you just said, which is – I mean, it's a part of the codependent – definition right is that you, you you make other people's emotions your you take on other people's emotions that's right that's right and you don't know and where I, you I end and the other person women. begins i don't i don't do it with men i do it with women and i'd like to not do it and it's it is hard to go if someone else is sad to go i don't have to go there with you like i yeah, don't so how do you so when the person's sad how do you yeah i i don't know how to go like i see you i hear you and yet I'm not going to join you, and that feels like I'm I'm abandoning you. Or I guess that's what I feel like that I I'm abandoning you if I don't join you in your sorrow. Is it you really have especially to, if I'm a part of the problem? You got to look at your motives. Is usually what we would say. Like if I was talking to a sponsor, I'd say you have to look at your motives because codependence breeds resentment. So anything that's ostensibly kind today is going to be a resentment in tomorrow, in two weeks, whatever. So the kindest thing I can do for you is let you be your own self-contained person and work this out on your own. Because if I go here with you and I don't do my off-roading and I don't have fun on my podcast episode and I don't get to hang out with Monica today and do, you know, she's going through something and I don't get to be present with her or whatever or my kids or whatever it is, then in five days, I'm going to be mad at you. So this yeah. wasn't this wasn't a kind thing. This wasn't, uh, it wasn't clean, you know? Yeah, and then yeah. in two years, I'm going to go, oh, this relationship isn't working because you're, I always have to go where you are when you're sad. So it's, it's, um, ostensibly now feels like the right thing to do, but it's not a, uh, a positive investment in our future together because I'm going to start crystallizing resentments. Ah. And wow. it's like, and you just go like, it's also dishonest. You know, it's so hard to just go like me pretending. Like, there's no call sheet. We're not acting today. I'm me pretending I'm feeling something I'm not feeling. I'm kind of yeah. just you just break it down as I don't want to lie to you because we have a rule that I don't lie to you. So. Right. Right. But but it, it is misleading because if you've been um, formatted to do, like when I join, it's not with effort. Yeah. I, I do it yeah. immediately. It's yes. like I, I'm hardwired. Shape shift. And then, yeah, I am even resentful in the moment. Like, great, yeah. we could have been having a great day. And I'm not speaking specifically about Kristen. There's a bunch of people in my life. Oh, that I do I'm, with friends more than yeah. loved ones, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So just, uh, yeah, I'm like, 
oh god we could have been doing this now we're doing this but but man i can pick it up there's no uh stutter step i'm i'll yeah. jump like right in and match you and and that's a big i think growing up around that's what aca we mostly sort of deal with it's just how we are able to like chameleons to be able to just like take on whatever emotion whatever feeling um or the opposite you know i i lo- have learned more to do the complete opposite which is if someone's sad i'm like but i'm gonna make you laugh and i'm gonna get you out of it well, well, I think that's why we're comedians. Yes, right? you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then if someone's, I mean, I find myself, I'm, it's such a contrarian, like obnoxious thing where, and then when people are happy about something, I'm like, yeah, but let's be serious. Like I have to, right, I have right, to right, roast right. the hat. Like everyone's like, the swans are back. And I'm like, guys, there's, yeah. there's bodies on ice rinks in Spain. What are we saying? Like, I can't, yeah. <laughs> like, I have to take the opposite of whatever someone's doing. And do you think, okay, so that's a, that's an illness in my family. All, all <laughs> me and my, my siblings all have it. And I always try to get to the bottom of like, what is our uh, motivation or what is our incentive? And is it, is, do you think your, your, what is your motivation? Is it that I think what people like about me is that I am brave and, um, not afraid to be contrarian. Like there has to be some part of your identity that you think you're confirming in those moments, right? And I think it's a couple things. I'm going to say something so gross, and I good, good, uh, good, good. I live for these. Got to be single forever. I think there's a level of like I don't want to have the same opinion as everyone else because that's basic, and I'm special. Yes, there we go. Terminal uniqueness. Yes. Oh, I love it. And and do you think too? It's because and happiness I, is also kind of for dumb people. Okay. So wait. <laughs> yeah, I, I really relate to the first statement, which is I I, I can say wrongly yeah. at this point. Uh, I wrongly assessed myself in junior high, high school. Is oh, I'm not as cute as these other guys. So. My thing is that I'm fearless and mm. confident and I have a mohawk and no one else does. And I wear these clothes and no one else mm-hmm. does. And I, like, I'm like the bird with the bright feathers in front of the panther. Like, yes. look how uh, confident I am to not get killed in this pretty yes. conservative Midwestern world by being really outlandish. So, risk, risk. Yeah. And, and it, 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 right or wrong, it did garner results. Like all of a sudden girls started liking me and that became my thing forever. And yeah, now it's just annoying. But <laughs> I still think that's an appealing part of me is that I'll tell the one guy to fuck off in front of everyone, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think that, you know, there's a little bit of just contrary and like in my family it was very roasty and it was who's it was a test of who's the strongest and i think because we my dad had girls and he didn't really know how to throw footballs with us or baseballs or you know physical prowess or however men figure out their place in the world and um kind of build their sons yeah he only knew emotional and physical strength to teach us that so he would just sort of pummel us and just sort of see how quickly we could come back at him, how quickly we could defend ourselves. You know, he wanted to yeah. s- sort of. Per- so it was a lot of sitting around the dinner table like well, this fucking haircut, this fucking like make. And then we had to uh, show our bravery, really. And I think also, I don't know if you were bullied for anything specific as a kid, but my last name was Cummings. Didn't go. Right. Didn't go. Good start. Cr- <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. So I was just there was a, a come in your face, come on your mouth. I mean, it was just like yeah, yeah. so. I just had to figure. My out- name is Whitney Cocksucking. 
so I'm that. Whitney. I would come back. I would literally go back. My papers in like second grade, where it says your, <laughs> so where it says your name, it would be crossed out Cummings and just be cum shot. Someone would have written it. Oh, wonderful. And everyone wonderful. would watch me get my paper, and then all the kids would start cracking up. You know, yeah, I yeah. just had to figure out a way. But I also was taught probably wrongly that anyone who's too happy is ignorant or naive. Mm. doesn't know the full truth you know Oh, sure they could not be smiling if they knew the true way to the world that's how my dad was anyone was too happy it was like oh well because he's an, you know and uh-huh. i so i think when i see people being really happy i feel the need to like pull the rug out or you know cut yeah. cut the damocles sword or go like but don't forget we're, we're living in a simulation so like i yeah, have yeah. to I have to just like ruin it well for, i do the same thing but for me the real message i'm trying to send is i will not be fooled by people mm. because i was fooled as a kid mm. by adults and i don't like it and i want to send a very clear message to the world i'm not one that you'll get one over on like i want you to know right away you're not going to get one over on me Ah, it's very easy for me to endorse this next product because we're pretty much in our beds all day, every day. Just me. Bringing comfort into your home is the ultimate form of self-care. And now more than ever, it's important that you take care of yourself, take care of each other. And by self-care, I mean stay in bed all day and cry. Just me again? You spend a third of your life in your sheets. And now because of quarantine, you're probably spending three thirds of your life in your sheets. You got to make them comfortable. No more nasty sheets that chafe you and give you allergic reactions and give you rug burn. Okay. Comfort first. New bedding. Okay. We're in our beds all day now. We're home all day now. Now is the time to get new bedding. Maybe the most genius part of Brooklyn and Sheets is Look, I'm not great at making my bed because I'm not a mathlete and I can never judge which side of the sheet is going to go with what what the why they don't ma- make mattresses perfect squares. I will never understand why they have to be hexagons. Is that what it's called? Rectangles? Whatever the thing is where it's too long and then stubby, you know, a, a crooked oblong square. And I never know what's going to go what side it's going to go on. Brooklyn and they have a little label that has long on one, so you know where the long is and the short is. So you can match it up. Isn't that genius? They tell you what the long side is and what the short side is. I feel like I could say this much faster, but for some reason this is very hard for me to describe, but you know what I mean, okay? It's idiot-proof, okay? Brooklyn Inn, perfect place to find all the comforts for your home, especially since you have to spend 24 hours a day in it all of a sudden. Brooklyn Inn is so confident in their product and their sheets, comforters, and loungewear and towels that they are going to come with a lifetime warranty. That's very brave. You don't do that unless you know your product is going to hit it out of the park. They have their biggest event of the year right now. It's the birthday sale. It's happening. And this is your time to get cozy, get incredible savings on sheets, beddings, towels, loungewear. Ooh, I want the loungewear. And their newest hammam and linen collection. So if you're listening after the birthday sale ends, you're still going to get 10% off your first order. Free shipping on all the new sheets when you use promo code Whitney. That's my name. Only at brooklinen.com. Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. You've heard of these sheets. There's a reason everyone's talking about them. Don't play yourself. Just get the goddamn towels. Get the goddamn sheets. They're freaking amazing. 
You owe it to yourself. There we go. Thank God for DoorDash. I mean, truly thank the Lord. Thank the good Lord. Okay? Now's the time, seriously, to use DoorDash. Because number one, it's the only way that restaurants are going to survive. And it's the only way, frankly, we're going to survive. (laughs) The only germ-free way to eat at this point. DoorDash is the app that brings you food that you're craving right now, right to your door. You don't have to get in your car. You don't have to put on a mask. You don't have to stand outside the restaurant and wonder if that other person's mask has been washed. You don't have to get all paranoid. All you do is order from your house. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat. Your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. It's the new normal. This is it. 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, Australia. You can support your local go-tos. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, uh, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. All your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, and it's very touch-and-go right now. So it's a great way to support them. Stop baking that stupid zucchini bread. No one wants it. Go to the DoorDash app. Select your local favorite restaurant. Your food will be left at your door. Okay. No one wants your famous casserole. It sucks. They want food from DoorDash. DoorDash deliveries are again, contactless to keep communities. We operate in safe. This is kind of the solution, honestly, to this pandemic. (laughs) I mean, stop going to grocery stores every day. It's gross. Right now, our listeners are going to get $5 off their first order of $15 or more, zero delivery fees for their first month. When you download the DoorDash app, enter the code Whitney. That's me. Don't screw me on this. $5 off your first order, zero delivery fees for a month. When you download the DoorDash app, enter code Whitney. Don't forget, that's code Whitney, Whitney, Whitney for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Enjoy some sanitary delicious meals. Meals. That's how Benton would say it. I had a good meal. I'm going to fill in for for Benton. I had a delicious meal from DoorDash. I wanted to ask you about this because I was thinking about... Wait, can we earmark it? Because I have one follow-up question about your... So do you remember what you... Did you remember the moment where you you decided, oh, well, this is going to be what's attractive about me? I'm assuming you you must have assessed I'm not going to be the blonde cheerleader. Did that happen or were you the blonde cheerleader? That's interesting. My older sister's the blonde cheerleader. So I have a okay. I have an older sister who is like stunning and everyone like she was the she was the she was the we'd go to a family thing and it was like, "Oh, you're she's so pretty." And then I was like, you know, sure. so I had to find my place. So my place yeah. was come shots here. Where's her sister? <laughs> <laughs> I was the quick barb. I was Daria. You know, uh-huh. I was the uh, you know dark, funny, smart one. That's how I got attention, and I just kept leaning into that. Kept leaning into that, and I think as I got older, it was who's how i mean especially when i got into comedy who can be the most offensive i started writing on the roasts who can say the darkest thing yeah. uh who like i wasn't gonna get like the guys liking me for my appearance but i was gonna get the like oh shit like she's one of us or something 
I think it was a way to. Yeah, I, I, I relate so much. And again, that was my choice to go punk rock, which mm-hmm. is I don't feel accepted by this structure. Mm. So I'm going to send the clearest message possible that I'm not playing your game I'm in an attempt to get control back. You like, can't I, fire I don't me. Con- I quit. Yes, that's right. Oh, my God. You can't reject me, someone that doesn't want your approval. I'm just going to let yes. you know I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm not playing this game. I'm on the yeah, bench. It's all horse shit. Sitting it's on the horse, bench. It's horse shit. Did we you, want it. Were you like a prom guy? Like I, I, when I first saw you, I was like prom king, homecoming king. Right. So you know, I, uh, that's fine that you think that. <laughs> that that works for me. Where it gets triggering, I have found this a lot with gay dudes uh, that I've uh, met working in Hollywood, which is. And I learned this the hard way. I now start this way, which is like, I think a lot of people think that, especially gay mm-hmm. dudes. I think they look at me and they're like, that's the guy who shoved me into a locker and called me a fag because I'm 6'2 and blonde. And yes, I look like I probably was on the football team and all yes, that stuff. Yes. But I was a snowboarder and into drag racing. I had dreadlocks and I went to punk rock shows and I was like trying to be everything to everybody. I yeah. wanted the art kids to like me, but I was funny, but I also fought a lot, so I was tough. I wanted every fucking thing, but I was not like jock, homecoming, none of that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But I like to fuck <laughs> and get approval from girls. And so I wasn't not, I, it's not that I wasn't popular. I just was like, I was pro-gay mm-hmm. rights in high school. Now, yeah. I'm not patting myself on the back, but for whatever reason, I was I was into that Yeah. Young. Yeah, and let me ask, and you seem like you talk about the sex stuff in a way that is makes people understand because I get a lot of people because I have like publicly identified as a love addict where people like really don't, it's tricky because it's like food addiction where it's, you have to do it a couple times a day or week. Yeah, I mean, that, those are the people I'm very most sympathetic to of any addiction, which is like, I can't imagine if I had to do cocaine normally <laughs> three times a day. Like when I woke up around one and then six, like just two lines, one in each nostril. And by the way, I think I just did that. it's got to sit. I have a kilo sitting in this box in my fucking kitchen that's got all the coke, but I can only have it three times a day in just two lines. For never happening. Couldn't happen. I think I just identified as a sex addict because I went, I just feel bad for like sex addicts, for example, because like food addicts, like they have to do something three times a day. And right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the normal yeah. amount, right? <laughs> well, as you were saying, I was like, don't get married. If, if you're... <laughs> I only ha- I only have to wrestle with my love addiction once a week. So it's very manageable. <laughs> no, what I was going to ask you is like, I'm fascinated when you said about like how you were like hoodwinked as a child. And it, at when in your parenting, how often are we lying to our children? So I think at least once a week, five kids... Is there Santa Claus? Is there the Easter Bunny? Are we lying? Are we not? Does it matter? Yeah, yeah. So we we had an interesting uh, path with that exact thing, and then we kind of at some point in some interview. By the way, a lot of times people read stuff we say, and it certainly it does come across as that we called a press conference and made a statement. <laughs> But so often we're just shooting the shit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. in this podcast, and it's ninety <laughs> minutes of talking, and then I said one sentence, and then the headline you read is that sentence, right? So Kristen yeah. and Dax don't 
tell their kids about Santa Claus. It seems like we uh, we we approach the media to let them know. We want everyone to know we don't do this, but that that's not in fact what happened. But it's just like, are you guys are you guys honest with your kids? Yes, yeah, yeah. We we try to be dead honest. Well, what do you tell them about? The, and now we just got to answer. Like, well, we told them there isn't a Santa Claus. So what happened was with. Child number one, I Christmas is my favorite holiday. I fucking love it more yeah. than anything. I start, I, I start decorating on Thanksgiving. It's my, I love it. Awesome, me too. I loved Christmas morning. If I'm dead honest, I don't really remember believing in Santa Claus. As I don't remember, I never believed in God. Uh, so, but we started with Santa Claus, and then our our oldest daughter Lincoln had some really immediate follow up questions like. Well, how does he get from house to house every, you know? <laughs> oh, no, she's too smart. <laughs> right. And so I told like one lie to cover up the first lie. And then I told a third lie. And then at a certain point, I was like, I'm ruining the best part of her brain. The part of her brain that's going, this doesn't make sense. I feel mm. like I have a grasp on reality. And this breaks that reality. And I'm now making 20 more lies and what i got fearful i was training her to do was to ignore the part of her brain that's uh, telling her this is bullshit dismiss and i don't want to fucking do that my I don't god wanna, I, I don't want her to, uh, to have the one person and it sounds so insignificant and i get it and if i'm on the outside i'm like oh these hollywood fucks they they don't want their kids to believe in santa claus that's not it i just i could see i was i was i was squashing this really great critical thinking that is actually what I want to support and nurture, not not nullify. So I just felt terrible. I'm like, I can't – because immediately then, if they believe in Santa Claus, now there's this thing, Elf on the Shelf. So wait, this Elf comes out and he's gone, and if you touch him, he dies? I'm like, now, now I'm like teaching them guilt. Like, there's just so much that goes along with it. And I'm like, I can't fucking do this. But I realized in that moment, oh, man, this thing's genius. This is how they get you to – to get them to deny their critical thinking so you can launch the big one on them, which is there is this man, Jesus Christ, yep. and you should live in fear of disappointing him. And if mm-hmm. you do, you'll burn in hell for eternity. That concept's now much easier to swallow if you already believe there's a fat dude that goes down your chimney. And if you've already had the people that only, the only people you can trust, the only go like, tell, eh. you, tell you, don't listen to that voice. I'm and you right, must be crazy. Me. Yeah. I can't yeah, really yeah. tell you why you're crazy. You just are. And don't and question. A, and then when an adult molests them three years later and the adult says, I'm going to kill you and your family. If you tell, it feels like the other thing. Well, that seems implausible, but I should trust him. And that's probably true. And I'm not ever going to tell. It's just like, I, I, you're just pouring the foundation for something that could potentially have really serious consequences down the road and we and it just starts the like erosion of our connection to our gut you know yeah um and by the way they like christmas just as much as all of their friends who who think santa's coming right well guess what the fun fucking part is getting presents in the morning it's not actually about the guy who delivered them also uh that's so true (laughs) but we Um, get so hung up there's like people that like i'm part of the war on christmas yeah, that, oh, trust me, I, I got an HR violation for that. But, um, <laughs> the nightmare. Uh, it was on, well, actually, I, I said Merry Christmas to an intern on Roseanne. Uh oh. As if I was the biggest problem on that set. 
Uh, uh-huh. I said Merry Christmas to an intern, just like in passing. Like I was just leaving, and I just like kind of said it, and I got in trouble because I was I'm supposed oh, to say wow. ha- I'm supposed to say Happy Holidays, and it was just like this whole nightmare. My uh, hunch is that person didn't like you prior to that oh, statement. <laughs> the damage was done, which was wild because then. It came out in the news that that happened, and then all of a sudden, like the alt right started to love me. (laughs) I'm like full. I'm like the face of QAnon now. I was like, guys, no, I really don't want this. I've had a couple of those opinions that are public. That all of a sudden, it's like, oh, this whole group of people opens up to me that I thought hated me or probably did hate me. I know. I defended Ricky Gervais at the Emmys or the Golden Globes or whatever it was this year when he sort of roasted everybody pretty hard. I sort of defended him on Twitter, and I was like, Ben Shapiro was retweeting it. I was like, oh, I guess I'm just (laughs) hardcore. Uh-huh. Like Fox News. It feels kind of fun, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't think they'd ever like me. If you just defend comedy, you're yeah, yeah. alt right now. Um, but no, I, I I love that you're saying that, especially when I think about myself as a child and how often I was told to not trust my instincts and not uh, trust my gut. I read this, the Gavin DeBecker book, The Gift of Fear, which I recommend to everyone all the time because the first thing he says is every woman who's been attacked or, you know, assaulted... All, there's always in the testimonies a I just knew something was off about that guy. I right. I can't tell you why. I yeah. he offered to help me with my groceries. He offered to, like I just felt this weird thing, yeah. but I had this inner monologue of calm down, you don't know what you're talking about. You're being dramatic, you're making things up, which I think starts at a very young age. Yeah, he, he he's very very tricky, I think. Yeah. Gavin. Um I've heard him on Sam Harris. And at one time, I totally agree with him. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be a little lack of acknowledgement that people are also, their their spidey senses are triggered by inherited biases. Right. So you well, get yeah. in an elevator with a black dude. And if you've never lived yes. around black people, those spidey senses are going off. And that you do need to fight that at that time. Yes. That, that is a, a, a lack of connection with other people. And so it's just tricky because his are his are so cut and dry. That's such a and, good and, point. But yeah. it's, it's true that they need to be challenged as well. Yeah, like it's not if you're racist, don't use Gavin to like. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A, you can, there's also people that are just racist. Well, by so. the way, the, the the most woke among us has different comfort levels within group out group. Yeah, if, if I get into an elevator with four Vietnamese dudes speaking yeah. another language. I have no experience with that. That is new to me. I, I, you know, it, it, yes. it, it enacts a part of my brain. My reptilian center is triggered. Things happen. And I have to know that about myself as well. And I have to, as hard as it is to say this is, and as poorly as I'm sure I'm going to articulate it, I also can't want so badly to be woke that I ignore a feeling. So if I get an elevator True. with a woman and I have a weird feeling about it, it's like, but I'd be sexist if I were to say this woman was crazy because we're not allowed to say women are crazy anymore, even though I'm yeah. scared. You know, there's also oh yeah, that thing that I try to do. I want so badly to get the woke points that I will put myself in danger. <laughs> well, that's the that's the, the the real only takeaway of all these people that you'll read, that I read, that we interview. No one wants to hear it. And it's the opposite of why people were attracted to Trump is nothing's definitive. Everything is a fucking spectrum. And you're going to have to make a judgment call all the time in life. And it sucks and it's exhausting and it is inconvenient. But unfortunately, it is the truth. Right. Like left, left, right. Guess what? Right's correct a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Left is right a lot of time. It, 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 we're, we're, we're juggling two concepts, liberty and equality. Those, those don't lay on top of each other 
perfectly. It'll always be a compromise. It'll always be some pendulum where you want it on that day. And that's a bummer. To me, left and right, the extremes of both are the problem. And those people to me are usually, if I'm going to just go for it unrecovered addicts who are uh-huh. in adrenaline and blame and and it's just it's you know cowboys versus you know um um i was trying to i was gonna say uh the native team. americans i was gonna say that <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i'm from yeah. washington dc i was gonna say the team from washington i don't think we're even allowed to say <laughs> that fucking name anymore but you know yeah. it becomes so tribal which is why um on this sort of hiatus i've been trying to really understand terror management theory because as soon as I think I understand it, I, I I was just reading The Worm at the Core. I can't remember the name of the author. Um, I think I posted about it the other day, but about how because we are the only species that knows we are going to die, that uh-huh. we spend our lives trying to accumulate achievements and some kind of immortality, and that the right. only way we can feel safe is to malign the other whether it's teams, whether it's racial. I mean, it really does, you know, this theory does really... Um, not protect racism, but kind of explains a lot of it, unfortunately defends it in some way. Um, It's not a positive uh, theory. It's about sort of why we're so gross and aligning with teams, tribes, wearing jerseys, like all the stuff we do, it makes us feel like we're a part of something bigger and hence have some kind of protection, you know? Mm -hmm. So me, me wearing the Lakers jersey means everyone that's a Lakers fan is I'm already, they already like me. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, my current thing that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about because of this quarantine is the protesters. Mm. So I look at the protesters, particularly the ones in Michigan. They've got like guns and they're in Hummers and shit, right? Yeah. So my wife, rightly so, is like, oh, my God, these what are they fucking doing? Yeah. It's because no one close to them has died. They feel no need to protect other people, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, first of all, you're 100% right. Yeah. You are correct. I said, but I got to tell you, I relate to them a lot. I, what I see is I grew up in a house where people had ulterior motives and they lied to me. Mm-hmm. The, most, the, the, most, the most profound, the, 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 pre, the people in your life that you should be able to trust the very most, my parents who were addicts who said one thing and their actions were another yep. and I I paid the price of that. I was the fucking victim, That's not right. them. That's right. If that if that was the first 18 years of your life that the people you're supposed to trust told you to do things, acted in manners where ultimately you were the victim. And you expect those people now to believe the government? Oh, the, mm-hmm. you should trust the government. These motherfuckers, they can't trust their own parents. That's right. And so the government's telling them something that right now real time is causing them to suffer. They are not able to go to work. That's right. I understand. I relate. I I have the pledge that I will never be the victim again Mm -hmm. because of someone else's fucked up agenda. And so a lot of things trigger that. And I just, I'm I'm very sympathetic to it. I understand it. I don't agree with it, but I I can feel it. I know what it is. But not everyone is in therapy. And going to, yeah. you know, I, that's what I would be doing if I wasn't, you know, working on myself. And I can't pretend to even wrap my head around the way I would behave if I couldn't feed my kids. I mean, all bets are off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All bets are absolutely. off. I just yep. like, you know, so it's yeah. just like this this sort of tricky thing. But um, I was going to ask you just the last thing about your daughters. Have you guys ever done equine therapy? No. Uh we have not. I'll tell for for two reasons. One, um, 
they've yet to seem to need it. Uh, right. Therapy of any version? Of, of course. I mean, just equine, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then two, I hate horses. I've had two really <laughs> bad <laughs> experiences. <laughs> I don't know how to work on a horse. Like if it broke, I can't fix it. I like shit you put gas in. I I go off-roading with my daughters. That's what we do. This makes me think that you are due for a horse session. Oh, wow. Okay. Because so you it, love horses. Yes. I'm now learning. Yes. Okay. I do. That's the thing that, that cracked me. That's the, the uh, only oh. reason. Because of I had a very similar uh, mentality that you did, but what it it is the ultimate form of surrender. And the ultimate, be, like having a uh, consensual 50-50 relationship with a prey animal that's not about dominance and not about results and not about control um, uh-huh. is and not about charming or cajoling. None of our maladaptive behaviors and survival mechanisms, we can't employ any of them. Uh-huh. You know? So there is kind of this amazing... What, you just have to be pure of heart while you're on it? Pure and of it- heart and need nothing. Ah. And not even necessarily. So, get, I think I need horse therapy, not my daughters. Not, oh, and I don't mean need for your daughters. <laughs> this is, I always encourage it because I initially started working. I mean, I grew up around horses and stuff, but initially my first couple sessions, and I have one now and I, you know, rescue them and shit, but um, was about boundaries because horses, you know, if you're doing, the, and therapy is not the right word, any kind of just like equine sort of socializing, you have yeah. to claim your space and be very clear about who's allowed, because they can hurt you, you know? So oh, yeah, yeah. I remember the first time I was working with the horse I have now, I was letting him walk up on me. I was letting, and I had to really learn how to claim my space, which has helped me in relationships with like a drunk guy being like, like I'm not kidding. You know, it's a great way to just learn how to protect yourself and protect your body and like be very clear with your nonverbal communication. So horses are all nonverbal. So it's like it's how I because I used to always say one thing and mean another. I'd be like, stop, like, don't. I was, (laughs) You know what I mean? I never because I never wanted to hurt anyone or disappoint anyone or reject them. So I would say one thing and mean another and just hope that they made the right choice. Yes, yes, yes. You know, so, but that's so interesting that that is so emotional for you. Oh, yeah. Well, I, 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 yeah. Oh, it's all a control thing. I was on a horse at someone's house and I had just gotten on it and I had ridden horses before. Yeah. And this horse just uh, without any warning or provocation just took off in a sprint. It ran across this bridge that was only like six feet wide with metal railings. It lost its footing. It was crashing into the fucking fence. I, I mean, I'm pulling the reins. I'm yeah, zero control. I mean, just I'm at the whimsy of this fucking horse. And I was like, I was like, this is why I like motorsports. You twist the throttle. It's the same fucking response every single time. It's why I was drawn to motorsports to begin with is it's predictable. And uh, this is unpredictable, but I, won- I probably do need to surrender. I'd probably be a ha- happier well, person. I think you would like love it. It was so weird because last time I sat down with you, I was like, God, he would love this so much because you're, I think, one of the few people that would just get it right away. Um, huh. But uh, but yeah, I mean, the first thing you have to do is like get to know the horse and see if it even wants to ride, you know, yeah, and then yeah. it, it's a, it to me is the only reason I've been able to have a relationship because my thing is I'll do 90, you do 10. Like, and this is a truly taught me about like 50, 50 and Uh how needing approval to prey animals, hold up a mirror to your energy real quick Uh and needing approval 
to them translates to desperation, which then translates to fear. And then they feel, f- to them, it's just fear. To them, a prey right. animal, just is there a bobcat around? Is there a mountain lion? And they just move away from you when you have any kind of desperation or need. And yeah. then when you stop needing something, they'll move back towards you because they're just repelled by fear. They're only, the only, um, sort of treat you can get the only reward you can give them is tranquility they don't they're not predators they don't need food from you the way a dog does because they have grass they graze sure sure so their only reward is tranquility so it's just like this it's a very cool way to because you know sometimes like i mean when you direct movies and you're on sets like your energy decides the energy of everyone oh a thousand percent Hundred- i mean that's why I- that's why I love it so much. And I didn't understand why when I walked onto a set and I was like, <laughs> I was like, why is everyone so stressed out? Uh, like, uh-huh. oh no, that's me. Like <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I decide I set the tone. So I need to figure out a way to not walk in with this desperate needy energy. Yeah. I got to say, I have a, um, a very long list of character defects, though. One of the only things I'm good at is I am good in that role. I I, I will believe I in the possibility of things and it'll infect other people. And I love it. Yeah. You're one yeah. of the most beloved people. Did you know that? No one has anything bad to say about you. I find that hard to believe because of my childhood stuff, but um, that's delightful. I have this um, I have a, a story I tell myself that guys don't like me. That's so interesting. I do want to talk about your Cause I like hear, you know what I mean? We all hear everything. And Uh I heard a lot after you had Kumail and Rob on and Uh talked about bodies and it fucking blew my mind. Cause to me, that is almost more taboo than talking about sex, money, you know, sexual abuse to be able to say like, I want a better, a man saying that. Oh, and then I think about my body all day long and that I I think that is like one of the most uh, important aspects of who I am as a person. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, what, what, what was frustrating about that is, A, the conversation was so fun. I thought those two were so yeah, well, honest. The yeah, Th- they are. Yeah. And, and I've been doing it out loud, but I, I'm so delighted like that both of them would be. I mean, and they were just so honest. And so the one thing that irritated me is like, uh, not not a lot. I I, I, I elevated it in my head. Yeah. But it, it, objectively, not a lot of people. Of course. But some women said, oh, get over it. You guys don't have it half as bad as blah, blah, blah. And I, I get a little frustrated that what everyone in society would agree is that everyone would benefit if men could be more vulnerable and be more open and communicate better. Mm-hmm. And then when we do... There is some contingent that says, oh, shut the fuck up. You don't know. It's way worse for a woman. It's like, well, hold on. Our statement was never where it's worse for us than than women. It was simply, here's our experience. I bet you haven't heard it. This is how we think about it. We're not saying we have it worse. We just have it whatever level this is. And first of all, bless your heart. Like you're in pain. Like I now can see when someone writes something like that, like you're in pain. Uh forgiveness but also for me like i always say like it's not the the narrative right now with like body positivity which i have a lot of notes on hot takes on me me too so it's such an it's such a wildly la problem like go to walmart in kansas city there's no one's everyone's fine with their bodies (laughs) like it's just like i look at all my family members and they're like what we love like they love their bodies most men are married to heavier women they're they love it like i don't you know i have a you know but as someone that had chronic eating disorders like i understand that you know side of it too but there's now this new shame 
you know, you're being shamed if you don't hate your body also. It's like, this is it's very confusing. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's this sort of certainly social media thing now where it's like, love yourself and love your body. Like, why are you yelling at me? Like, I, I can't just undo you know, f- f- 10 years of emotional and some sexual abuse as a child because of your meme on your pod- body positivity. Me, So now I feel bad that not only do I have insecurity about my body, but also that I am insecure about my body because you're now mad. I'm not allowed to be insecure anymore. Right. Well, also because you're thin. So you don't have the right to. to it's kind of like when, I don't know, Amy... Uh, Schumer did her movie and she wasn't ugly enough. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And it's like, oh, guys, if we're only going for the worst, you know, what? I'm like, that's her story. That's right. You can all suck a fucking dick because you can't tell her what her story is. That's right. And then also, you know, to me, it's not that right now women need to change their neural pathways overnight and they're not allowed to self-deprecate and you're not allowed to, you know, dislike your body. You're not allowed to like your body too much. It's just, it's not that women need to fix that part of ourselves, especially my generation where that ship has kind of sailed. Like Uh men just need to be more open about it. So it's not that we need to go down to repressing the way you guys have always had to. It's just you guys, you guys just need to come up and be as open about it. Yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. So that to me was so Well, and also by the way, my favorite part of it, and this is the thing that I thought would be unifying when we tackled this, and it wasn't as unifying even as I thought it was. <laughs> what I thought would be great is that both of us are dead wrong. So if you listen <laughs> It's so great. It's so great. If you listen to Rob and Kumail and I, we literally think looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger is the most attractive thing in the world. <laughs> And if we just listen for one second, yes. women do not like it. But you grew and up watching Arnold tell, Schwarzenegger. Yes. And I try to tell Monica, I know as much as you think people like models, I know yeah. guys. Guys do not li- like, sure, some guys who that will elevate their status in their mind, sure. In general, guys like fat asses and fat titties. Yep, like yep, they yep. want to fuck. Like yes. this notion that they want to climb onto a fucking garden rake. No. It's not even true. It's not even true. That's, so, but, what, that's, that's what I love about it. That's is that a lot of women trying, doing that to other women in the fashion business. Thank you. That's what I and, I, and and I got in trouble for that. I was like, Monica, I know what you're saying, but I don't read fashion magazines. Yeah. I don't even know these models' <laughs> names. Like, the, the, we're, we're, like men are pressuring you guys to look this way. Guess what? We don't even know the people you're talking about. We like, yeah. Scarlett Johansson. That's who we want to fuck. To like, Ashley like, Graham. We voted. Like, we voted. By the way, Christina Hendricks. Like, what are yeah. this? Kate Moss. We, like, fuck out of here. No, no one's. We're not. No. Yeah. That, so I, I just loved that. What I found so encouraging about it is like, oh, <laughs> us men are perpetuating it among ourselves, and you women are perpetuating. But for some reason, I get it. It is a patriarchy, and I acknowledge it. And yeah. there's an industry, and there's science, and so I acknowledge it all. Fashion is not but, but, a patriarchy but, for the most part. And well, I was just going to say, mostly it's y'all talking with y'all and us talking with us. Mm-hmm. And the work's really to be done kind of intergenderally, yeah. in my opinion. It's really like guys need uh, the dick thing, too. Yeah. The dick thing. There are certainly size queens. There's no question. Yeah. There are women who really, really look. I want the biggest dick possible. Yeah. I don't argue that. But majority majority they don't give a fuck yeah uh, and and maybe even as many who love big dicks hate big dicks because it hurts so and you get utis guys, and it's a whole nightmare yeah. for for us guys 100 percent of us believe 
the bigger the dick, the better. So we're, we're completely delusional. And, and it's all perpetuated by each other, not by women. And also, who are these women? These are people, you, the, 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 the women that you have seen say, like, I like a big dick. You've seen it on social media. So these are already people that are trying to get attention by saying something sort of incendiary or bombastic or exaggerating. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. it's what's this sample or we're drawing is, from? Or I would say it is the time where our patriarchy does infect your bubble because within our group, I'll Mm. get elevated status because I have a big dick among my buddies. And the women can see that. The women can see how the men look at the other men. Does all all guys have seen each other's dicks? Thousand percent. I've always known the size uh, and ranking of my penis size as compared to all my friends from just from urinals. seven, Seven years old on. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I have no question about whose dick is where. Even now, do, as I've gotten older and I don't do that, yeah. I still I think I have a pretty good gauge of who's got what. Wow. It's, it's, there's signs. Because also so, women go both ways. And maybe we're wrong. Women go, if a guy's super, super confident, he either has a giant dick or a tiny dick. It could go either right. way. It could go either way. So I we agree, don't know. But, right. But, but I do think that, especially like in high school or when you're 20s, the gals can recognize who all the guys are giving status to. Ooh. And quite often, the guys are giving status. There could be a dude who's like a five, but he's got a fucking 12-inch hog. The dudes love him. The Everyone s- loves the buddy with the 12-inch <laughs> hog. So they weird. make him pull it out at parties. Everyone wants to get a look at it. It's known. And, and all the other guys are kind of like <laughs> worshiping and envious of that one guy. And certainly the other females can see, oh, that guy has the status. He's the silverback. And so in that way, I could see they could be earnestly attracted to it, but it's just very convoluted. And I don't know why, if they are positive, why they're attracted to it. Because it's also, I was reading, there was, um, you know, I think for the most part, I always am fascinated by, you know, what is sexualized and what is, you know, men have. It's, it's dick and hairline. Aren't those the main, oh, yeah. those oh, are the main yeah. things, everything, right? everything. What's yeah, more, and, and abs, abs, abs no, are a big abs. thing. But there like was if this, I if I had to pick between being bald and having a huge beer belly, I'm sorry, bald with an eight pack or thick hair and a beer belly, that's a very tough call for me. Because there, but there was a study that came out. Poor your point before. I think it was from University of Pennsylvania that uh, women perceive men that have a shaved head, not bald. Those are two different things, as being okay. more attractive than men with a full head of hair. And my guess is it's subconsciously this is someone who's, you know, going against the grain risk taking like Jason Statham does fine. So, well, I think it's so I, I love that theory. And that's probably like the kind of cultural social aspect. But I do think there is an evolutionary thing that whether we're aware of it or not, generally high testosterone levels are mm. what result in baldness. So. Ooh. That like like I'm on uh, a hair loss preventative pill, and what it does is blocks testosterone, detrohydroxy testosterone. That's how um, uh, finasteride works. Is it's Whoa. blocking w- one part of the testosterone that causes baldness. So there could be a, another subconscious thing about that that there's testo- there's an abundance of testosterone in front of me. Wow, that's wild. And again, there's all these things that we are completely unaware of that are happening, of yeah. course, on a biological level. And then, then to point them out is always dicey now. Yes, it is. In this We're... current era. Because it, it sounds like 
Sometimes people confuse an explanation with condoning, which is not true. Yes, that's or right. Or excuse. Yes. And, I, and that's always a frustrating to me. It's like there's a difference between an explanation and an excuse. I'm not when, happy about when, when it. Tiger, when Tiger Woods comes out and says, I'm a sex addict, he's not saying, so I don't deserve for people to be mad at me about my behavior. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Just, he's simply offering you the explanation of why he risked his whole life to fuck. That was also interesting because it wasn't just sex. It was like girlfriend it was like they had apartments and they had you know so i'm always yeah. curious sort of the house of cards we build to maintain our addictions you know so but i but people do think he was uh, uh, making an excuse and i just didn't read yeah. it that way i didn't it's, none of that seemed fun to me i'm like he's getting leases oh, he's buying oh. cars he's buying clothes like this guy the well, whack-a-mole he has to play that, yeah, he's one of two two people I really have compassion for. It's like him and Lance Armstrong. Like, I can't imagine the horror of living in a house of cards that is built yes. on top of one lie. Oof, exhausting. I just can't imagine <laughs> the mental circus I'd be going through hourly. I, I, that's so funny because the other day, uh, the someone, the person I'm quarantining with, I have ducks that are landing on my pool. Which is uh-huh. in this like magical, weird like thing for me. And uh, they landed on the pool uh, at like four. And then I went outside with the dogs at like eight. And then I saw him at like eight. And I was like, oh, I just saw the ducks. And he goes, just now? Didn't the dogs go after them? And I was like, it was a four. I lied. It wasn't just now. <laughs> like, I, was just, uh-huh. I was just uh-huh. like, I can't even go uh-huh. through. Like, I just lied kind of weird. Like, one of my favorite stories is. Um, you know, in like garages, in like buildings, you need like a key card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like an employee card. An employee whatever. card, yeah. And I was working on this TV show and I took the employee card home by accident. And so the one of the producers was like, hey, I'm going to send my assistant over to pick up your key card. And I was like, great, come get it. Just, you know, have him text me when he's outside. He texts me, he goes, hey, my assistant's outside. You know, can you bring the key card or leave it at in, under the mat and I was like well it's kind of hard to find there's like a gate so do you want to just have him call me and I'll meet him outside and he goes well it's me it's <laughs> <laughs> just like oh dude, I love that like you didn't even like uh, go like oh like I would have driven around the block been like oh my assistant couldn't find it I'll be there in half an hour like I would oh <laughs> yeah oh yeah that boy that, that immediately reminds me of my favorite story I heard in AA <laughs> Which was this guy had a business with a partner and he woke up incredibly hungover uh, and he called and he's like, I'm not going to be able to make it to this meeting. Um, uh, And he goes, what's going on? This is like the 10th one you miss. And he goes, and it was raining out really hard. (laughs) And he goes, there's a huge hole in my roof and it's just flooding my kitchen. So I, I have to deal with this. And the guy goes, I'm coming over to see it and hangs up the phone. And the dude in a bad hangover went on his roof and started chopping a hole in his roof with a fucking hammer. And then the the other dude never even came over. (laughs) It's like addiction in a nutshell. Oh, it's so great. I can so see myself in that situation. <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask you a couple quick questions because I can't keep you forever. Unfortunately, okay. you have a family. Um, quick. We always ask this on the show because I feel like I've wasted a lot of my life ignoring red flags. 
yeah. and you're obviously in a relationship, you can do relationship or friendships because I think it's still important to um, be careful with the friends you let in your life. What are like some major red flags that you um, in relationships or in friendships for you? I thought of a good one the other day. Ooh, can Some, I hear yours? Because it might start my yes, mind. In yes, yes. Right I was going to say. I feel like I'm springing this on you. Um, someone who wants to celebrate their birthday for a week. Oh wow, that's a red flag. Someone who gossips. So a- really quick. Yeah. From what I've heard about you, I think you and I share in common, which is in my family, the way I showed love for you was to never be a drag on you. Ooh, I like yes. self self dependence was the number one virtue. Yep. In my household, because in my mom's defense, there was a single mother and three kids. You were youngest? she worked all the time. Middle. Middle. Interesting. So the way I show people that I love them is that I will never inconvenience them. Mm -hmm. I'll always have my shit handled. I'll never be a drag on you. That's like the ultimate way I can show my love Which is so weird because the only way you can show love to a codependent is to need me. Oh, wow. (laughs) So you're actually... You being needless yeah. to me is my nightmare. Yes. Wow. What a fascinating dynamic. Um, I never even thought of that part of it. But I can tell you when people are that way, like want to celebrate their birthday for a month, I just think that would if I said that, that would be me telling you I don't value you at all. Mm. I don't love you. I'm going to be a big fucking suck on your time and resources, and I'm not going to give a fuck. Like, that would be how I would show you I have no respect for you. Wow. But but I'm aware of it. So right. I really have to remember when people say these things that most people love, like acts of service, yes. right? Like, that's my wife's love language. Interesting. Her primary my one? My act of service is that you've never picked up a glass I've left behind. Because I, I would never do that. I'd never put my problem on your plate. Right. But I don't wash your dishes. That's what you do to show me that you love me is handle your shit. Like, I want to so pick it, up your cup so bad. Makes mm, me feel useful. Right. Yeah. And I don't want to pick up your cup. Yeah. <laughs> because that, that would be acknowledging you don't love me. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's so convoluted. That's interesting. Uh, but, 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 but I would just say in general, like, the number one thing that I, I, I got to get better at, um, I have to. Because uh, I'm around people a lot that have it is um, when I can just see neediness on someone's sleeve, I'm just I don't even want to be around them. The neediness, neediness to me is really, really rough. It's like I go, oh, that pit will never be filled. Mm. I don't want anything to do with it, uh, which is a bummer because I do think there's a, there's an incredibly thin and fine line between vulnerability and neediness. That's I always right. say like. The goal in life is to like figure out where that line is and just stay an inch on the vulnerability side. But it's hard to navigate. But I think also you have to know how much you have to give. You know, you have a wife, you have children, you've got a big life. Like 32 jobs. You don't have that much to give. So I think that like at a time where you're not shooting nine things and you're taking a hiatus, like, okay, this I can have this needier person in my life because I have more to give. But when you have nothing to give, um, there is just that is such a red flag. And also people that can't. Uh, you know, to me, that's a level of immaturity. People who can't get their own internal needs met internally and look for external things is so repellent to me now. Yeah. Well, what's interesting too is my life has changed so dramatically that I have I have different things to look out for than I ever needed to have mm. to look out for when yes. I was younger. So, weirdly enough, I couldn't befriend twenty two year old Dax. Yeah, I, I know that because yes. I have such financial insecurity. I count everyone's money endlessly i'm counting yours during this interview yeah i'm like oh she has a horse oh she has a pool (laughs) 
Oh, I, I literally was on the verge of going like, how many stand-up dates a year do you do? And how big are the... Ve- like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm such a freak about money. I do money. that too, yeah. And it's, it's pathological and it's so unattractive, but, but, I, but I have it. So, but it's a ranking. Isn't it sort of we're designed to rank, you know, to see our place? No, my, well, I, I don't feel any competition towards you, so I don't think it's that. It's that... Um, are, how safe are you? I'm curious how That's safe right. you are. Because I, I, I have this uh, ever-evolving definition of what it would be to be safe financially. Yes. Uh, mind you, I'll never get there. A billion dollars, I'll find a way to still have fear. One too many, so a million I, not enough. I recognize that there's no logic behind it. It's just fear. But I am curious, like, yeah, how safe is Whitney, I wonder? Uh, how safe is so-and-so? So I, I know that I couldn't be friends with someone that has the amount of money I have when I was 23. Yeah, interesting. Was this? Did you do because this before would, you were famous I, too? Oh God, yeah. Yeah. My family's obsessed with money. Like my yeah. mom, God bless her. She started as a janitor, working night shift at GM, and worked her way up super high. Quit, started a business that became super successful. Like Amazing. a fucking hustler, go getter, a boss. And so money was everything for us in making money, and you know, so. uh I need to be aware that I can be triggering to certain people's fears and I don't necessarily want to be a part of that whole thing. So like I'm saying, I couldn't be friends with 23 year old me because Mm -hmm. 23 year old me would be counting taxes money all the time, would be resentful that I have it. Mm -hmm. And and I just have to be aware, like I, I can't have anyone in my life or circle that I'm just a source of resentment and insecurity and fear. Mm. I, just, I, don't, I just don't want to. I don't want to play that role in someone's life. Forget of whatever impact it might have on me. I don't want to be the thing that reminds you of your fear the whole time you're around me. It's just not comfortable for either of us. That's right. That's part of the reason I don't. I don't. I look. I try, but I can't loan. I basically, if someone asks me to loan the money, I'm <laughs> like, as long as you're cool with this relationship going away, because you're gonna start to hate me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I am going to become your so every time you see me, it's going to be like, oh, you think you're fucking bad. It's happened anytime I've ever loaned someone money. I'm like, I just have to be comfortable with the fact that this relationship is probably going to end because I'm going to yeah. become all of a sudden we're not equals anymore. It's very, 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 very tricky. I, I got to tell you, my mom told me the best fucking thing ever. So all those things are are there. And, and, and this doesn't deny those. And I agree with you. But my mom said to me, I was like venting because I supported my dad the last eight years he was alive. And we had a very tricky relationship to start with. Yeah. So I hated it. I hate. Right. And I was I was venting to my mother about it. And she goes, well, look, hon, in life, you can be the person that asks for help or the person who gives help. Who would you rather Ooh. be? And I was like, "Wow, oh my God, I can't stand asking for help. So I should have so much gratitude that I'm the one that's being asked for help because I, I, I can't it's I, I can't even do it. Wow. So uh, every now and then, like when that those situations arise, which arise a lot, uh, the first thought I have is like, man, I'm not the one making this call. I'm so glad I'm the one taking this call not the one making this call and it just starts me on a like a little bit of gratitude and then i just navigate it a lot better i'm throwing i'm going back for a second when you and kristen started dating did you pay for dinners oh yeah so there's no she's not allowed to pay i mean i'd prefer she didn't yeah is it unattractive for her to pay yeah no 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 i just let me back up and use a different example. Yeah. I dated a gal that was a billionaire right before Kristen. Okay. And I bought all of our meals. Hot. And she goes, at one point she goes, I have to tell you, you're the first guy that's bought a meal with me in like four years. And wow. she's had dated rich dudes. Wow. And I'm like, 
I'm sorry. I'm like old fashioned that yeah. way. Like if I can't at least buy you fucking dinner, it's my own thing. It has nothing to do with you. I'm not saying you're, you're, you're you need my my fucking protection or anything. I'm saying that my self esteem is such that that's not, that's part of my definition of being a, a grown up man. Yes, is that it's a mature. You fucking take a woman to dinner and you pay, whether you can afford it or not. That's what you do. I think that's it's nothing awesome. to do with you. I think that's so awesome. And I'm, I mean, if we ever get to get out of this quarantine in a reasonable time. Dating again is so weird because it's like it. it there is it's such a thing when the bill oh, for comes. you being a woman with money. I got to tell you the, the the hardest hurdle I had with Kristen after the beginning stuff was ironed out was when we met. I made more money than her and I had saved more money than her. And I, I felt very comfortable with that. And then at a certain point, she started making way more money than I made. And that was hard for me. Love it. I do not at all give a fuck if we're out somewhere and more people know who she is than me. Mm-hmm. Could give a fuck. I'm I'm grateful. Yeah. I, please go talk to her. Yeah. Uh, but the money aspect, uh, I was like, no, no. I'm what a loser I am. I'm supposed to be providing. I'm supposed to be. Wow. I found it emasculating. It took me a while. I got to tell you. In fact, what the 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 the, the solution was we had children Mm -hmm. and for the first time ever i thought oh my kids are benefiting greatly from the fact that she makes more money than me and that's way more important than how i feel about it and it is all our money because we have one family and there is it doesn't fucking matter i completely let it all go and your support for her is part of why she can be so prolific and then here's the weird ironic secret of it all or the universe of it all is that I finally accepted all that, came to peace with it all, and then last year I think I made more money than her. And it was like <laughs> one, once I stopped giving a shit, all of a sudden, eh, it's just. Weird. And the irony is being able to say that out loud is part of why you'll make more money. Is because you can admit that you hate <laughs> that she made more. It's like your honesty yeah, yeah. was your ticket. And then I let it go, because man, as I'm sure you're so aware of it too. It's like it's nuts what we can manifest without having any awareness of it i really want you to watch the show too hot on netflix i'm watching it because i just gotta say you meet one guy you meet a guy and what you find out about him is he had his heart broken by his ex-girlfriend who left him for his best friend and then by fucking god within three episodes he has become best friends with this dude at the house i mean they have such a great connection you're so excited for them and then the girl he likes goes on a date with his best and i'm like Look at this. No! I said to Kristen, I'm like, how how many times have you been left for your best friend in your life? Zero, right? Me too. I bet this has happened to this guy four times. Like it, the patterns people can manifest subconsciously, it's astounding. Which is also, I'm always in this like oscillating back and forth because I remember I was in a really like tricky relationship, a total, I was dating my mom and dad in one person, mm. totally regressed to a five-year-old, couldn't get out of it, total trauma response. And it's all, I was obsessed with the person. Like, I was obsessed with the person. It's all I could think about. It's all I could talk about. And we got to the point to my therapist, because I was like, oh, we have to talk about things. We have to release shame. And I'm talk therapy and da, da, da. And she's a, a specialized in addiction. And she goes, okay, today's the last day you speak of him. No talking about him for 28 days to anyone. 
Oh, yeah. Like you, we've now gotten to the point where you're re embedding these grooves in your brain and you're just going to yeah. keep gravitating this. Oh, like you have to stop. This will never heal. This, oh. this, you're just, you know, and I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, we call it in program restraint of pen and tongue of like, there are times when, you know, we spend all the time going like, talk about your feelings. But there's times where you have to shut the fuck up about your feelings because yeah. you're just manifesting the reality over and over again. Well, the, the, the one that blew my mind was I was sponsoring this guy a couple years ago and uh, he called me, I bet five or six different times within three months where he, he and I don't th- he wasn't lying. He kept witnessing these situations where like some guy got out of his car and was yelling at a woman in her car and he had to intervene. And then he caught a guy taking pictures of women up their skirt on the beach and he had to intervene. And I was like, listen to me, I know that this is happening. But I can also tell you that I used to define myself. One of the things in the core components of my identity was I will protect you. And that's why people like me. And guess and guess what? I was in a fight once a month protecting somebody. And guess what? Now that I've decoupled that, I don't see it anymore. There's no way the world changed. But lo and behold, I'm not seeing the guy yelling at a woman at the stoplight anymore. I don't know why. That's wild. I'm like, I'm just telling you. That's me with dogs. Other other people aren't having to rescue people all the time. That's my thing with dogs of like, I get dogs off the street. And every time I drive downtown, I see a dog. Mm. And everyone's like, we don't, we drive the same route and we don't see dogs. I'm looking for it. I want to rescue the dog so I can get the adrenaline and I can be a hero and I can save something and have some meaning and fucking like myself because I rescued a dog. I mean, I would find them like on the 101. People like, I drove that route. I didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, if one of the best parts about you is that you rescue dogs, then you got to rescue some fucking dogs. Let's keep saying that. <laughs> I had you to have to you know, people find a way to fucking do it. That's why I think anything's possible. Like I'm not one. I'm always, I always think it's tricky when like celebrities are somewhere and people are asking like, how can I make it? I'm always like, I mean, what I really want to say is like, it probably can't be done. I didn't think yeah. it would happen to me. I was never the person like, I'm going to make it. I, I think it's a big accident and there was a clerical error that I made. So I don't know. I, <laughs> no way. I, I, I'm just, I, I, I'm so pessimistic about it. But I'll see people manipulate these patterns that are so complicated that mm-hmm. they can find themselves in this same fucking cycle again that's like a, a goddamn uh, t- 10-part fucking show on Netflix. Like the levels and the twists and turns and it's yeah. the same pattern. Like, if you can manipulate that, if yeah. you can manifest that, then I, I think you can manifest anything. It is wild. I mean, I'm not to bring up vision boards, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, like we clown on vision boards a lot, but I just moved and found my one, old one from like 12 years ago. And sure enough, <laughs> it's all there. I mean, it is wild. I mean, yeah. granted, it's it was like before I even started stand up, it was like Letterman and Leno and Conan. Yeah, and, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Everyone that we're like friends with now. I mean, it was yeah. a little, you know, I never know if it's like this. I manifested this because I made it or the type of person that would make this was already going to make it anyway. Because right. You know, like, yeah, um, it's like the kind of person that takes vitamins are they healthy because they take the vitamins or they was what's healthy they went to the store and got them and that means they the way you do anything is the way you do everything they're probably caring for themselves in a lot of ways yes but if 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 uh, uh, the cornerstone of your identity is that whitney's funny 
that has to be confirmed daily, hourly, and then it has to be confirmed on a level that becomes inarguable. Right. You know, you got, uh, and it's all tricky because, again, uh, we would both, I think, admit that all these pathologies also gave us every single thing I still want to hold on to. Yeah. So it's all, my advice also isn't like, get healthy at 20. I almost think if I got healthy at 20, I wouldn't have fought. What the fuck would I do? That's right. That's right. And I want to um, add to the thing you said about, you know, just, you know, to not over pathologize like you in this moment, you know, because we're so self-examined. Sometimes I think it's like, you know, some things, you know, I, I like that doesn't have to be a defect. Maybe that's by I was always trying to figure out what's a character defect, what's nature, what's nurture and what's biological. But in a relationship uh, at first, after I became like solvent financially, or at least people thought I was solvent, which, you know, always happens way after everyone else thinks we have money. Right, everyone right, right. thinks, you know, you're on an MTV show for 10 episodes and you have a billion dollars. I have seven. I tell you, the worst thing in my life was getting famous from punked because I would go to bars and like a good 30 percent of the people knew me in there. And I had like a grand in my name. Like they paid me Shots two grand decks. an episode. Yeah, two grand an episode. And, and and it took a year to film eight episodes. Like I made fucking sixteen thousand dollars. I, I was like, to be broke and famous is its own. It's the cruelest thing. It's so fucked up. <laughs> like a girl's like like yeah i want to come back to your place and you're at the oak oh, woods yeah. girls came back to my apartment which was a fucking one bedroom dump in santa monica <laughs> oh fuck and so um <laughs> but no i was dating this guy who uh we were together and then i started making money and as soon as i started making money sexually it got very weird I was ah. I was getting choked. I was getting the hair was oh, getting pulled. It was like, oh, uh-huh. I have to find another way to be dominant. I have to, yeah. you know, the um, the emasculation had happened, and it, it was literally like overnight. There was an announcement in the trades that you know I had sold something, and then instantly it was like, eh, I was like, okay, wow, that is so primal. Right. So look, I had no compulsion to manhandle Kristen, but I think. <laughs> Do not choke America's sweetheart. Ever. No, no, no. But, uh, but but certainly I think wanting to have uh, power with other women, mm. my in, my interest, uh, certainly I think that 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 was that easily was a fuel to want to feel my powers elsewhere. Interesting. And then that's wild. Can I ask you, because I know this is a really obvious question that I still yeah. struggle with at 37 years old. How do you know you're in love with someone? I know you said you loved Kristen at a restaurant. How are you like, oh, that's love, not lust. That's love, not infatuation. Like, I'm in love with her. Well, th- this is uh, uh, I have an answer for it and, it. and it runs the risk of sounding unromantic or not nice to Kristen. And that is not my intention. This is just the the truth. So. I had been with a girl for five years in high school and out of high school and then with a girl for nine years. Both those girls, I saw them and I thought I was going to fucking throw up like, oh, my God, I'm in love with this person. Yes, yes, yes. This is my cellular soulmate. And but but both were great relationships. Like, I'm no regret. Great relationships. And um, I I feel proud that I could go nine years in my 20s as an addict. So it's amazing. um, But. Kristen, I did not have that fireworks with at all. She did not have those fireworks. 
I was Which you can 30... argue is just being triggered. We call it fireworks, we call it passion. Oh, it's familiarity. Yes. Like we we yes, it's it feels familiar and we would mistake it for love. Yeah. Mama? But, Papa? Uh-huh, uh-huh. But so I was 32 when we met and I right or wrong had it in my head that the next person I put the time in with has to result in kids. Cuz I want kids. Awesome. So when you make that your goal uh then the the lists of of qualities you're looking for just change dramatically so i didn't have any of those fireworks but i was like this woman is so nurturing yeah. oh my god she's so nurturing look all these dogs she has i fucking hate dogs i don't want to live with dogs why would you live with animals i don't i literally conceptually can't comprehend why someone thinks that they should invite animals from outside <laughs> On planet Earth into their home. It doesn't even make sense. I mean, I know there's a 10,000-year-old relationship with dogs, and they served a purpose at one point, but it's just preposterous to me. Now, with that said, though, I could see the value in what that heart was, even though it didn't make any sense to me. And I saw all the people she took care of in her life, and I just saw all this stuff that I thought, oh, my God, could that be a better mother to children? And then secondly, I thought, I, at, I'm i now 32. What I really want to be thinking about is like, who am I going to have a blast talking to the mm. rest of my life? And this bitch did voices and she could sing <laughs> and she's funny. You married a show, and I was like, yes. I'm like, oh, this gal is a party. But all yeah. just... All, all the right reasons. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't, she didn't have the ass I was looking for, the hair color I thought I needed, or all these other things. And then... I, Never I, my, comes my, in the my, package my, you think it's going to come in. Yeah, my, my list just flipped. And I have other friends who have, like, they, they have expressed the desire to be married and have kids. And I'm like, but man, you got to flip your... It's still, like, they'll, they'll say to me, like, the sex is blank, blank, blank. And I'm like, dude, I should hear about the sex, like, seventh. Yeah. If what you really want is a wife... I should hear about the sex seventh because the sex can change. You guys maybe you don't communicate yet about it. There's all the, that can be changed. What are you going to fucking retool someone's personality? Like whether they're nurturing or not to kid, you're going to fix that. No, you can fix fucking right, right, right. You're, you're, you can't fix that other stuff. Uh, anyways, and I just, the best and, and, sex in my limited experience after, you know what I mean? It's like, you're going to have to, pivot someone's regardless si- someone's sick of fucking scarlet johansson I see that. as Im- <laughs> unimaginable as that is every guy has said it <laughs> to me and it always makes me cringe but it also is weirdly comforting of for every model there's a guy who's sick of fucking her <laughs> like it's savage angelina jolie was like i don't need that brad pitt dick anymore <laughs> i can't comprehend that yeah how could you not want? I Brad mean, Pitt's someone dick? cheated on Halle Berry. I I love her, and I'm so sorry that that happened to her. But like a couple times a week, it like gets me out of bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I just think like you you, you got to kind of invert your list. Yeah. Well, let's just say minimally, if if you're not with someone long term and married with kids, you must first acknowledge whatever method you've been using hasn't result. It doesn't have the results you're after. So what you know. Something has to be wrong with the game plan if the results are the same every time. But that is a great, I think for me, like the way that I want to think, I mean, it seems like I'm putting your words in your mouth and please tell me if I'm wrong. It's like you stop looking for a girlfriend and you started looking for a wife. You stopped looking for a girlfriend. You started looking for the mother of your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. things get real clear. 
They got, yeah, they get pretty darn clear. Like if, yeah, it, like you're part, you meet a girl, she's fucking hot and she's fun and she's a blast and she doesn't work and she hasn't worked for three years. Like, is that the model you want your children to see? It's so simple. I mean, yeah, it'd be it's like, so no, simple. I, I don't want my children to be modeling themselves off yes. after someone who is not engaged in life at all. And also no, the, new def- the new definition of love is like, can you be in one house with someone for five months straight <laughs> oh. i mean you picked the right well, person even for us dude even for us the first three weeks were dicey talk about having to refigure out like how we duck in and out of things it's like it, it needed a revamp wow it, it got one you know wild um yeah. do you ever play word association no it's such a dumb thing you want to do it of course. I think I have no attachment to how this ever, like, I never overthink this. Like, we sometimes do, like, some silly, like, Freudian, like, the shit that Carl Jung did and Freud did just to fuck yeah. around. And Jung was big on the word association stuff. Where you're just- we'll find out why you're hysterical and why I, I like butt play. We'll figure that out <laughs> through this. I think we're going to nail it right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Okay, so basically, you're just going, I've made, s- you're just going to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Easy. Bake. Ahead. Uh, Canoeing. Sacrifice. Uh, Parenting. Skin. Titties. (laughs) Baby. Titties. (laughs) (laughs) We might not get off titties. Now now that I'm thinking about them. It's over. The the game's over. Do you know that? Do you know the comedic actor Martin Mull? He yes, did Fernwood of course. Tonight, of course. Yeah, so I just worked with him on Bless This Mess, and he told me the best fucking joke. He said, "There's a guy at a used car lot, and he's uh, kicking the tires on this car, and the car salesman comes out to him, and he says." Thinking about buying a new car? And he goes, no, I'm thinking about women, but yeah, I need to buy a car. So I came. (laughs) I was like, that that really sums it all up. No, I'm thinking about women. I've kind of come to terms with my perviness. Like I've befriended my perviness. And oh. It's an appreciation. It doesn't always have to be gross. Well, listen, here's where it gets into what we were just talking about. Like, what's a character defect? What is your plight? What is all? So, I had this most amazing, uh, a Dr. Alex uh, Hakakis. No. Uh, oh, on fuck. your podcast. Yeah. Yes, I saw this. And she's a sex addiction specialist. And she's brilliant. And I said, I asked her the question, you know, who's to say what someone's kink? If someone has a kink, and it's obviously been induced by trauma. Right. All that may be known, and you might acknowledge that, but that doesn't take away the fact that it feels pleasurable right. to the person. So should the person, just because they found out that their kink is rooted in trauma, deny themselves the kink and the pleasure? And she goes, it's so simple. If there is shame and secrecy around it, then yes. If there's not, then no. So yeah. what's interesting to me is I am too pervy. Like, by most measures, I'm too pervy. All my jokes are sexual. <laughs> All I want to talk about is assholes and penises and clitoris. Which, to me, is less pervy because it's overt. Like, it's the people that don't make those jokes that I worry about. Right. And, and so I have to say, like, okay, well, I was molested. So, you know, I might have some hypersexuality as a result of that. But And that may be true, but that doesn't matter to me at this point. It's kind of like... Why am I into motorcycles? Well, I'm into motorcycles because I didn't have a dad around and I did anything that was hyper male approval related. Yeah. But 
I now I love them. So it doesn't really matter that the reason I I, I became interested in them is, is is rooted in some pathology. The truth is I, I do enjoy and love it, mm-hmm. even though I recognize where it comes from. So, yeah, I'm always trying to walk the line of like. What what amount of my perviness is OK? What amount of it is. It is weird because occasionally, and I bet I wonder if this happens to you. Once in a blue moon, I'm around someone that's actually more pervy than me. <laughs> and I You can know my feel, friends. All comedians. Yeah, and I can feel the awkwardness it induces with other people. And I'm like, oh fuck. I'm never on this side of it. Wow. I have to acknowledge it is it is rough for people sometimes to hear like really, really blatant sexual stuff but i i so rarely experience where someone else is too much for me but that's how you find your people or you're not my people you're not my tribe you're just not my we're not on the same frequency but i think like two things number one sex is just funny because it's taboo to everyone and that's what comedy is saying the most surprising brave unexpected thing so if everyone made sex jokes all the time you'd probably be making you know really grocery store yes jokes. Yeah. you yeah. would go yeah. full brian regan you know yes. or sebastian go all the way back to the basics <laughs> yeah so it's like it's sort of like you being you know not making sex jokes is the reason i am making sex jokes you know but also uh-huh. i think having had sexual abuse in my past too i think there's also a way of going like i'm not gonna let this be weird someone else right. made sex weird for me and i yeah. won't I, like this is how i'm gonna I guess take my power back is the only way I can think to say it. But like, I'm not going to let this be gross. I'm not going to let this eat yeah. at me. Yeah. I'm going to make people laugh with this trauma. Like, well, I'm and not- like the, the the cake is baked. Yes. Like I can't, I can't fucking take that ingredient out. Also, butts are fucking funny, dude. Yes, yes. Pe- oh my god, penises are my favorite fucking thing to see. Always, every time it's used comedically. Uh, 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 fucking righteous gemstones. The fact that he makes his speech and behind him paused <laughs> yeah, is the funny dude, penis we saw. <laughs> I love it. It's the most awkward protuberance. They're also it's just goofy. ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah. There's they're like snowflakes. Like everyone's yeah. a little different. You I know, there. That's the other thing. It's just like bodies are so dumb. Oh yeah, I said to Monica the other day, I'm like, are you telling me you don't want to see every one of our friends bare naked, hit pause, and literally inspect <laughs> With every a laser part of pointer. their nakedness <laughs> without making them uncomfortable with them knowing it's happening? But if I could pause, I would inspect everybody's naked body that I know. I have a friend uh, who is the greatest and he always kills me. He's like, goes so far across the line and I just love it. He had a baby and this adorable daughter and I was like, so how's it going with your baby or whatever? And he was like, oh, it's kind of rough. Like she has these like growths inside her butthole and it's like this whole thing. Oh, and da, da, da. Wow. I know. And she, he was like, so we have to get him looked at. And I was like, oh, my God, that's awful. And I'm going on and on. And he's like, yeah, I just felt him one day. And, you know, and I was like, oh, that's awful. And he's like, I didn't finger my baby's asshole. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like just like a, it's like a stupid uh, thing of like I wasn't even thinking through it. Like, you know, uh-huh. I think there's just sort of. um Oh, well, you know what? You, when you end up, you'll, you'll have to confront it. I guess that's why I've thought about it so much lately is that once you have kids, you're around other parents and kids ask yes. uh, awkward questions and, and you're you're hearing how other parents are, are treating it. And then Belle and I happen to be like, just, yeah, um, uh, you know, a sperm comes out of daddy's penis and it fertilizes mommy's ovum in her vagina. Like we just, there it is. Yeah. Uh, but then you're like, oh, is that freaked out the other parents? Yeah. Or you, you just kind of have to like 
you have to confront and be aware of like you're passing it on right so, and and something that i um remember my uh, therapist also does like childhood trauma stuff and she said literally the worst thing you can do to a child is not make a sex joke or not say vagina or not it's when you're changing diapers don't go oh uh huh. It's like what we put that body shame on babies yeah. at such a young age when they poop. We go ew, and they just uh. see I something down there is wrong or bad. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Luckily, I'm such a perv too. I was like, oh my god, oh, look. I'm celebrating generally when I get that diaper <laughs> open. Like, look at this fucking mess. But I think that for me, I tried to explain, uh, you know, in a relationship once with a guy who just didn't accept my perviness. I sort of was like, number one, do you want me to keep it a secret? Number two, like, you should take it as such a compliment that I'm ogling all these people and I'm coming home with you. Like, I'm still choosing you. No? Yeah, that, yes. Well, the tricky argument. I, it's a tricky argument. <laughs> it is. It is. I'll tell you why. Because I remember I dated a girl who was like, oh, in my drawer, I have handcuffs and blah, 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 and hey, all, like a nope. bunch of costumes, nope. right? And so, in all honesty, what it made immediately, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to let her down because I, A, don't have a desire to put her in handcuffs, um, but I'll do anything, but I'm going to do it poorly. I'm not going to be able to satiate this person's kink. And so, it, 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 if, if not worded correctly, and it shouldn't be your responsibility, but I'm just saying if you have a partner and you, and you want to do shit, there, I just think the way you roll it out is really important because the first, the, the last thing you want to do is make someone feel insecure immediately that they can't please you. Yes, but I, you have, you can't have a a big trunk. <laughs> you cannot have your pleasure chat. You have to pretend it's new. Like you have to. Uh, that's yeah, 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 that's yeah. where you know it's funny. There's this kind of like meditation teacher that I work with for a while. By, by the way, even when you said my perviness, like I know I'm a fucking perv. I yeah. could list some stuff I would want to do. Everyone. That I would that I would think is like, um, could, could be polarizing. Yet, just hearing you say you're pervy, I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it, are there, is there farther limits to perviness that I wouldn't be able to meet her? At? Like, <laughs> it just happens immediately. Like, I think it, your, it's intimidating. Your kink is maybe pathologizing yourself. So you just had to get mad at your not being good enough in that moment. Oh, yeah, a, <laughs> I'm not even a good a enough good, perf. I won't be able to <laughs> get the approval I'm looking for. Right, which I think there is this thing of, you know, when you first start dating someone, in my opinion, and starting to date again for me is going to be very weird because it's always that thing where you never want someone to be too good at anything, but you want them to also be good at it. So that's where uh -huh. the, the pretending just comes in. And I know that this is probably polarizing, but I, I took this attachment strategy class where you work on your attachment style because I'm preoccupied and then fearful avoidant. But if I'm with someone preoccupied, um, I'm dismissive, the whole thing. So it's sort of like to rewire your brain. He was explaining like, I was like, well, what do you do? Like if your partner is talking about something boring and you don't care, you know, I have to mm. like be authentic and say, I don't care. He goes, no, you have to pretend you're interested. And right, I right, and I remember right, being right. like, but that's lying. He's like, oh no, no, no. Relationships are is not about relentless honesty. It is a uh, balance of sort of omissions, and sometimes you have to pretend, and that's okay. Oh, it's all about meeting your partner's needs. Like, and 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 that's hard for me because I'm so like honesty's number one. But that's not true. If my goal is harmony and making someone else feel safe, 
then, it, uh, you know, honesty can't be number one in some situations. Honesty I isn't think. saying you're boring. I don't want to hear this. I'm not attracted exactly. to you today. That's not honesty. That's just me mean. Right. So I occasionally, the, an automotive video is so good I've seen on Instagram that I have to include Kristen. And God bless her. She acts like she likes it. And then I watch a video of someone rescuing a dog and the dog getting healthier. <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> Kristen and I are very similar. <laughs> and I I celebrate this dog's well-being at the end of it because she wants to share a thing she loved with me. It's not the time for me to tell her I don't like it. Or she's accumulating it's the time for e- me to let her share it with me. <laughs> she's accumulating evidence on your ring camera of you scoffing at a dog transformation video. <laughs> t- yes. To take the kids later in court. Yes. This motherfucker couldn't even be happy that a dog was returned to health. <laughs> Need I say <laughs> more <laughs> what kind of monster <laughs> um okay well you failed the word association game i okay, would say right. with flying colors as you should <laughs> what a dream well, Whitney, I, I could talk to you I forever you. but i can't i, I love you so much and this was like such a treat and you made this so fun and easy you're my first whatever the fuck this is i was so not wanting to do it and then well i was seeing you on instagram express this issue and I reached out to you and said, you just did mine. Can I help? I don't do that often. I wasn't, e- I, I, it was freedom from thinking about myself for a full 45 seconds, which was euphoric. <laughs> and uh, thank you for uh, letting me uh, be a part of this it. This is big service. Big, big service. Big service. Dude, you're right. so awesome. Okay. I love you. I'll see you soon. I hope I'm going to send you a bunch of horse videos to show uh-huh. you oh. how awesome they can be. Okay, and then text me your email so I can email you this file from this recorder. Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. You're the best. Okay. You're the best. Okay, I'll see you soon. Thank you. Enjoy your quarantine. You too. Okay, we'll talk soon. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 